and he goes, he's like, I just wanna, I just wanna eat your face because <laughs> it's so pretty, you know. <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. We go, hey! Hey! <laughs> You're Braba, better work, Nerdlinger. <laughs> Um man for music video since Barrett Share. Hey. Hey. Oh. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> uh today we're going to be continuing our best of the 2010s uh best of this decade, best of the last decade bracket thing. <laughs> that's exactly that's <laughs> trademark. Yes. Yes, exactly. Put a little C in a circle there. Um but yeah, the best of the last decade, uh, we are going to the South region. Oh man, I'm so excited for this region. This region has a lot of tough stuff, man. It oh. does, and it's got a lot of un not unusual movies, just like movies that that aren't traditionally always at the top of the, the list. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, I don't know where to start. I was like looking at this today, going, Man, there's so many tough ones. Let's just go ahead and rip off a band aid. All right. The two seed arrival. Huh? versus the 15 seed edge of tomorrow oh. Oh. wow both very different looks at sci-fi yeah but mm-hmm. also both having to do with time and mm-hmm. aliens mm-hmm. aliens and time that'd be a good double feature mm-hmm. yeah and it was for me yesterday oh nice oh really what yeah. did you do first uh arrival wow i think that's the order that i would uh, go in yeah um so um I rewatching Arrival, man. I liked this movie more than I did back when it came out. Mm. Is this your second time watching it? Probably the third or fourth time. Okay, because we send it. Mm-hmm. I saw it then too. I'm trying to remember if I saw it again somewhere in the middle of that. But it had had been a while since mm. I'd seen it. But I liked this movie better the next time this time than I had uh, than any other previous uh, watching. Um, uh, I I I just love the idea of I. This is another movie that just really appeals to me on problem solving levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because it talks about language in a way that people don't understand a lot of times. Uh, the, the, the fact that she puts that question on the chalkboard for Forrest Whitaker mm. and it says, what is your purpose uh, on earth or whatever? It's like, first you've got to make sure that you know they know what earth is and they've got to know what you means and you got to go through all the and how all of it do they even recognize this as a question mm-hmm. all of these things and i'm like exactly <laughs> this is something that in a stupid sci-fi movie they would totally gloss over oh yeah they wouldn't mm-hmm. even bring this up in fact uh i think this is one of those miracle that it got made movies because uh because first off denny villeneuve uh wanted amy adams and only amy adams for this for this movie so there were a lot of questions as to whether they would have even made it without her Mm. oh wow Uh, but then the other thing was is that these movies tend to go through the studio shredder and they're like this is too smart and and they don't make explosions yeah (laughs) and they say well this this what is a question well what what are you talking about you know 
Uh, and the fact that they get all this complex information and all these complex concepts under two hours. Yeah. Yeah. I, I popped this in the other day going, oh, this is probably like a two hour, 20 minute movie or something like that. Nope. It's an hour yeah. and 50 minutes. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so I, I loved this, uh, the, everything about the, uh, just how she solves the problems, how she solves it with Jeremy Renner and, and the, you know, uh, and these, uh, these, these symbols that keep coming up and they come up with like the software to read it and, yeah. and, uh, they figure out exactly what the deal is with this language and, oh man, it's, how does so she, it's amazing that it, it, it paints itself into a corner almost at the end where there's no way that she's going to be able to convince the Chinese to not consider this a threat. The only way that she can get out of this is the answer, the key to the entirety of the movie. And uh, that that phone call, that whole sequence is just sublime. It's perfect. Yeah. The uh, <clears throat> the short story it's based on, I have the, the anthology of sci-fi short stories. His name is Ted Chiang. Can't, I'm butchering the last name. Uh, every single story in that book is is this good. Oh, yeah. Uh, the opening story is my favorite, uh, and it's basically this guy who's trying to help build essentially the Tower of Babel, and he gets, well, it's just really, really fucking cool, because mm -hmm. he gets up to the top, and he finds himself at the bottom. Uh, and <laughs> um, <clears throat> this author, he's got a brand new uh, anthology that either just came out or is coming out soon, and I'm going to buy it. I should bring that book and let you guys borrow it, though, because totally. really good stuff. But yeah, to think that uh, the short it's a short story, right? Mm -hmm. They probably went into more detail in the movie than even the short story had. Um, <clears throat> but it's very, very compelling. It's that it's a it's a thinker, right? Mm -hmm. Like. A lot, not very many movies make you think about it for days and days afterwards, mm -hmm. and this is one of those, and I appreciate that more than I even sometimes appreciate a really good time. Yeah. No, I, I agree, and it's also got that, uh, like, a series of emotional gut punches, and the more you think about it, the more emotional you can get about yeah. it. Yeah. My wife and I had strong debates about this movie and the morality of the decisions made, um, and, you know, she's strongly disagrees with the decisions made by amy adams at the end of the movie well Do you, are you on the other side of it um i think it's more nebulous than she does uh i see a case for love even if you know love is going to end at a certain point but it also involves somebody else that it does unwilling or not or not doesn't have a chance to say yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah uh who's to say though that she doesn't solve the problem if she doesn't have the kid think about exactly this, this yeah. is the this is the the reason why this movie is so insane because there's i mean as far as like where its level of thought is and everything uh it's a non-linear time so if she decided the whole key to her understanding that this is at in this present that we're seeing that she knows that she's seeing a future time is because she's she's there's this girl that she keeps she has a whole history with mm. that she can't remember like happen in the past and everything uh now if she decides you know what probably best i don't have that kid she dies of cancer later and all this all that stuff if she does decides not to maybe there's a version that happens here where she doesn't where like memory goes away yeah, that's well, the, the whole thing it's a like fixed it's a fixed loop right is yeah. that how we how we say the it? kids like even like telling the story of the aliens like with Plato, I haven't seen it in probably yeah, 10 yeah, months or yeah, something, yeah. or drawings or something like, mm -hmm. I think there are clues. Uh, that's a very good argument, that mm -hmm. she that she has to have the kid because she did. 
Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, exactly. And, you know, it's just for my wife, it's the morality of I know this child is going to get sick and die, mm. but I'm still going to do it. Like my, my wife separates that from the whole rest of the movie and struggles very, very much with that decision. And it's just it's a decision to. Yeah, the it's one of those where it doesn't have a clear cut answer. Mm. Right. Because you are involving someone who doesn't have a choice in the matter, right. quote unquote. Uh, but that that you know the it's she's made the decision that it's my life is better to have this child for however long i have it and and it's better to it's not better to just put that person out of existence right. forever and everything but i that now i do struggle a little bit with that phone call thing because uh that general zhang mm-hmm. i think that's his name um that she she remembers the future of a party where this is after everything has been right, fixed right. and i i totally believe in the guy saying you know like here's my phone number and everything but i don't know why she doesn't know the number at that point because if he's remembering if he's remembering i don't i'll never forget you calling me during all of this time mm. then how does she not remember in her future self does she not remember getting that phone call mm. that's a good question that I, I think we actually put that in the sense yeah, yeah 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 uh the 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 problem for me is like if if in the future there's this big party and she solved the problem and they've they've fixed everything and everything I, I even somewhat doubt him going up and going, I don't know how your mind works, but here, I'm going to show you my phone number because you'll, your past self will remember this. Yeah. And cause it, yeah, that had to have happened sequentially before she got that. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, the, the, I, I can, I've never been able to put my head around. I know that time is nonlinear. In this yeah, movie. yeah. I always, I feel like you could make an argument that their language is nonlinear time and that she has learned their language by the end. Yeah. And is therefore able to have their gift of seeing all time at well, once. Then, she, yeah, she, then she's going. Then she's apparently putting herself, her own knowledge that she has in this future. Then because she didn't, if if she's recalling a conversation that happened in the future, she should have remembered the phone call in that she made to him earlier, or else that the whole thing wouldn't. That party doesn't happen. Hmm. You are making my mind a pretzel right now. <laughs> it, it, it's the reason why it's so hard is we don't have the language to discuss stuff like this. This anytime yeah. time travel because we're using past tense words and for stuff that's happening right. in the yeah, future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's no proper language to discuss what I'm talking about there. But if she's remembering the future, if she's seeing the future, and there's this party, she should have remembered the phone call in that in that remembrance yes she shouldn't have been like i have no idea what you're talking about yes because Maybe. that is in tech in, in the linear sense that is in the future right after that phone call was made right right maybe um <clears throat> maybe uh christopher nolan and tenet will give us the language we need yeah. to talk about this stuff in <laughs> maybe this so we need maybe to be so. holding up symbols with like little swirly images and we stuff saw like that. arrival the three of us yes together. we did that's uh, always a fun experience for it is and it doesn't happen nearly enough yes. but i remember walking out of that side exit door going so wait <laughs> that dead kid is the future kid and you guys were like yep and i was like what the fuck and yeah. you guys were like yep <laughs> it's one of the most satisfying reveals it's just like uh we gotta go back kate oh lost. Yeah. yeah yeah it's just got it's the exact way it, it, i watched it yesterday knowing this was happening <laughs> and when they finally revealed it i just got chills yeah um uh 
I love this movie uh, uh, an incredible amount. Uh, yeah. It goes up against Edge of Tomorrow, another movie that I love an incredible amount. Another female protagonist. Yeah, yeah. Tom uh, Cruise isn't female. Um, <laughs> it is funny. I mean, they, they they introduce Emily Blunt's character, and they actually just play her up so perfectly in this mm-hmm. movie. I mean, she's she's what do they call her? The the bitch, full of, metal bitch, full metal well, bitch, and, then, and <laughs> the, she's the angel, the angel of. of- uh, yeah and 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 it's just awesome mm-hmm. like they don't they don't really soften her up i think they she eventually falls in love with him right yeah. or like um, they, they get some sort of a relationship no i mean uh, so every day of hers is the first day she's right. met him uh there is a point by the end of one of the more like i guess the more dramatic parts of the movie where uh, apparently they've gotten to the same farm many times and she always makes the wrong choice mm. that she realizes that he kind of is in love with her. Oh yeah. That's um, right. yeah. and I think there's a point somewhat, somewhat after the, after the, uh, the Brendan Gleason stuff where they, st- they get that, get Noah Taylor's, um, device mm. th- that he put, that he steals from, well, he didn't steal, but he gets out of the safe and everything there's some point there where she i think she's got at least some admiration for him but i don't know if there's ever like uh she i don't yeah it's the, every day is the first day for her so right. it's like 51st states yeah yeah i mean it's it's not like it's not like andy mcdowell or like you know bill murray's like found the way the perfect day to do french poetry french yeah, poetry right i well, think and, i think it's remarkable how much how much legs groundhog day has like because i remember I think jonathan taylor thomas one of those home improvement kids after groundhog day was in some christmas movie on tv where he kept reliving christmas over and over again and i remember deriding it as well it's just groundhog day you losers and then edge of tomorrow and we got happy death day and like there's lots of ways to play with reliving the same day oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. that don't tell just tell the same story over and over bill paxton man i was a, I, you, you read my mind i was sitting there about to say bill paxton we he, have to bring him up he is he almost steals the movie <laughs> he does. um and this is one of his best most unexpected performances <laughs> there's a point where he's like cruz is like uh i'm gonna tell you a story and you're probably not gonna believe a word of it and he goes i will not <laughs> <laughs> oh my god his drill sergeant talk on the jet when you know they're flying oh my god i just uh this movie's just delightful i do think that the, the third act the the conclusion the climax is the weakest part of the film by far um but it's so it's so fun but also it's a thinking movie right Mm -hmm. you have to sort of use your brain to to kind of understand what's going on um but yeah they're gonna get another one yeah yeah i can't wait and it won't have bill paxton so you watched it recently um effects hold up pretty well like i remember those effects being oh they're spectacular they're really good they're really good yeah like very almost like practical it looks practical yeah, yeah, like no, they, they, they just look like they're popping out they they went all out on these uh they're 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 excellent um the thing that you're talking about in that third act man the uh, first off it's the giddiness that we have of him reliving the days over and over and trying new things and all that is gone at that point yep because and and this is something that i think the movie does make a misfire on i think that i think the whole blood thing where he he has they give him blood and that's the reason why his uh he's not resetting the day anymore 
that should have happened a little bit later. They should have been able to practice that Paris run a yeah. few more times. Yeah. Because it's not believable at all that they win that. <laughs> no. At yes. all. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, it would have been nice if he had had, like, two or three runs and then on that third run the blood thing happened yeah and then he has one chance but he knows a little bit more yeah because he is thrown around like a fucking rag doll <laughs> in that last thing and yeah. it's so dark it's hard to see yeah. anything that's going on in that thing we know it's around the eiffel tower and the louvre and everything but like it's so dark it's hard to see anything in that thing um uh and i can't and i i I, I just feel like, yeah, I was sitting there thinking, man, if they could have just made it where he had two or three runs here, yeah, it would have been better. It would have made the movie better. I yeah. Think. So anyway, that movie is fantastic. Came uh, out of kind of nowhere, right? Because I, if I remember, the marketing was weird because of the title issue, like how they really wanted to market this. Did we really want to see Tom Cruise getting killed over and over again? Do you remember that? Like the, the 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 marketing was odd, wasn't it? Okay, so the story it's based on is called "All You Need Is Kill," right? I thought it's "Live Die Repeat." No, no "Live Die Repeat" that is what they named it on the home release. Uh, I gotcha. It is based on yeah, "All You Need Is Kill." Okay, it's a Japanese writer. All right, so that would have been a better title than "Edge of Tomorrow." Yeah. "Edge of yeah. Tomorrow" is the only the brave of sci-fi titles. <laughs> it, the only clue, I mean, they did put the word "tomorrow" in there, right? Um, so you might guess, I wonder if it has something to do with time. Mm -hmm. But I think they also, the trailers were cut poorly. Yeah. Uh, so as they did not reveal the quality of the movie, and it looked like a very, like like a ripoff of Starship Troopers in the trailer. That's what I'm talking about. Like, it just didn't look like the quality yeah. that you end up getting on the, the movie. It ended up being a pretty decent hit, though. It, really? I mean, it probably should have done more. Uh, your, your marketing issue probably led that led to that being not as big of a hit as it should have been but it ended up doing okay um i don't know if you know as far as did it make its money back and all that but it you know budget is 175 million yeah and probably 20 of that is cruise but wow. <laughs> um, that was the budget yeah god damn what did Doug Lyman do before that to earn that big of a budget uh probably mr and mrs smith or uh, a born identity wow that's crazy that because he did Jumper after those. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think a studio looked at Jumper and said, another sci-fi movie? Yeah, uh, I think a lot hmm. of... Interesting. So $100 million almost on the, the dot domestic. Uh, 270 worldwide, so 370 total. Uh, with a reported budget of one seventy eight. Yeah, million. so it, it it either made a slight profit or it broke even mm. or maybe even lost a little bit, but... I think probably home video has been really kind. To oh, that totally. Movie. Totally. Uh, so they've probably pulled a profit on that and everything. Um, so uh, it goes up against Arrival. I hate that these two movies have to go <laughs> up against each other Ooh. so soon. Uh, where are we going to go with this, guys? Arrival. Arrival. Yeah, I'll go with Arrival <laughs> as well. <laughs> I love you, Edge of Tomorrow. I do, too. I love Edge of Tomorrow so much. Uh, uh, I was... I, 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 as I was watching Edge of Tomorrow, I was like, man, you know, if it wasn't for that third act, this would be a really harder decision. Mm -hmm. And the the movies themselves on IMDb are both at 7.9. Oh, yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> wow. I would expect Arrival would be a little bit higher. I know that's high, mm -hmm. but I would expect that it would, it would be a little higher. Yeah. Because it's just from top to bottom, there is no third act issue with Arrival. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it's all perfect pretty much all the way through. 
And the the way it shot was that Deacons that did that? What on Arrival? Yeah, on Arrival. Ooh, it, I think you might be right. The well, cinematography is gorgeous. Blade Runner for Villeneuve for sure, right? That yes, was Deacons. Yes. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean everything. The we've already talked about the music a million times. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it was Bradford Young who did uh, the cinematography. Wow. Huh. Um, he did a Solo, a Star Wars story. Okay. He did Selma. Uh, Ooh, Selma's great. Mm-hmm. Those are the the big ones. He's done a lot though. He's got like seventy credits. Mm. Yeah, Arrival moves on, and uh, it will go up against the winner of the seven seed Her and the ten seed Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Wow, <laughs> what a ridiculous matchup! It is a ridiculous you know, we've matchup. We've had some of those, but this one is takes really place, ridiculous. One takes place in the future. One takes place in the very distant past. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. yeah, that's true. Did you see that they're going to do a even further in the past Star Wars? Did you see this? It came out like today or yesterday. Is this like, are they doing Knights of the Old Republic? Yes, that's that was a video game that Star Wars fans and video game fans loved. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. And it was thousands of years before the Skywalkers. There's plenty of good characters in it. And uh, Jedi and Sith are fucking everywhere. Dude, like every other I'm, person is a Jedi or a Sith. I'm all in for that. Yeah, man. I think that could work. I know the I know the fans of that game have wanted them to do some, some adaptation of that for a long time. Oh, cool. Star Wars The Force Awakens uh, is definitely, I think, what most Star Wars fans were hoping for when the franchise came back yes yeah yes uh, because it was returning to that classic style that they were used to and everything they did. the prequels were were uh were a bad time to be a star wars fan <laughs> they sure were they're they're oh they're sure there's some ardent defenders of it and yeah. if you ever run into those people they're wrong but run like, the other way <laughs> yeah but uh but no they i mean it's it's funny when you run into one of those people who are like uh prequels man way better than you think it's like i don't know i've seen it six times when am i going to see the good thing um so but uh, force awakens comes back with a story that's an awful like uh, a lot like a new hope but uh it's it sort of gets us back right it's that's i think that's the purpose of a movie like that is to get us back into that and then they're supposed to springboard from that first one to kind of like maybe give us something different and awesome yeah <laughs> and they do but uh, it's a different type of awesome yeah it's a different you know, kind of thing i i know the main thing is the big death starry thing mm-hmm. uh, the star killer base that's very much like a new hope and and of course daisy ridley standing in for kind of like a luke skywalker type of thing i think there's so much different though to from a new hope that makes this completely unique i mean poe is not uh han solo he never like you know, threatens to desert or anything like that. Finn is a ultimately like brand new type of character. Uh, Kylo Ren, I think, is much more engaging. Uh, this is weird to say, a more engaging villain than Darth Vader. Darth Vader was looming and ominous and stuff like that, but he wasn't engaging like Kylo Ren. I think there's so much difference that uh, that I, I do understand the comparisons to New Hope, but I think it's just so different that uh, it, it it makes it stand out. It makes it pop more than people give it credit for. Man, Oscar Isaac is totally Han Solo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can't we can't compare it just because oh he didn't want to abandon like Han Solo was was a was a rogue like uh, you know scavenger like. Uh, 
uh what was it um the fuck do you call it um uh, importer and exporter of goods <laughs> um, uh, well and by rise of the skywalker poe has this backstory of being a spice runner and he's a rogue well, sure, and he's, but he's, a- he's a warrior he's like he's a he's a part of the resistance like he's all in it's he not is like, but the, it, he's the, not looking out for himself but to I'm say saying. that because their characters come from they're not the same background they i mean that guy is totally fucking on solo man i don't think so i mean i think he's cocky he's a flyboy type of thing um that's all you need i guess so. <laughs> that is one hell of a pilot that scene that scene every fucking time gets my boner rock hard because yeah. of finn's line or because of poe's the tracking away. shot the tracking <laughs> shot because it never leaves as soon yeah. as he comes in he takes out like fucking 15 of those things and then when you think he's done oh no there's one up in the corner he gets that one and then he goes down and gets the last That's one it's too bad he doesn't get any more piloting opportunities the rest of those movies because you're right that is a pretty thrilling moment well he flies a lot you certainly don't see anything like that no yeah. or even like one of my favorite things about force awakens is ray and finn stealing the millennium falcon <laughs> yeah. and then learning on the fly how to operate this thing to defeat these guys that are trying to kill us. Um, and then they have that, that yes yeah. moment at the end. That's, that's the best part of the movie to me. I do like this movie. Um, and I think the biggest knock is it's a lot like New Hope. A lot like New Hope and completely wasted the guys from the raid. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that is egregious. There's that no is- even, like, why do you even cast them? <clears throat> there better be like guess- 20 minutes of fight on the cutting room floor. <laughs> Because otherwise, even just casting them is, is wrong. I right? hadn't seen the raid before I saw that, so I didn't even know what you were talking about. When you're like, yeah, they wasted oh, them. Oh, that's funny. But then after seeing the raid, you're like, God yeah, damn it. Yeah, I know. What, what the fuck were they in there Give for? Give those guys a lightsaber, for yeah, fuck's sake. I mean, Let's go. Yeah, that should have been like Claire Danes or somebody. You like, get, they even get <laughs> Claire Danes. They even get Donnie Yen for Rogue One and don't let that guy have a lightsaber. They give him a stab. Yeah, yeah. Like, come on. These are the martial art greats. And, they, and the way they the way they do actually do fit the real Han Solo in this thing is kind of clunky, too. Yeah. I think so, too. Uh, so, like, I, I, yeah, I, it's fun, though. It's a fun. Oh, yeah. Like, I believe this is exactly the type of movie that you make when you're trying to revive a franchise that had some bad some bad but very profitable (laughs) years uh we have to always remember that no matter how bad those movies were they made tons of money they sure did they sure Um, did and you know what again we're talking i think we may be talking about a generational thing because i think a lot of the people who are ardent defenders of the prequels are a lot younger than us and don't mm -hmm. have the history with the original trilogy that we have yeah and i talked to a guy last night online who was trying to tell me far spider-man far from home was better than raimi's spider-man 2 and he was adamant and i was like i can't talk to you yeah you're you're 16 you don't (laughs) you don't know how awesome spider-man 2 is if you think that's a you're a a weird argument yeah it's a weird (laughs) argument but people like to have these arguments people like to take these these it's where it's where it hits you it's where it hits you like on on like you the time that you're growing up where where you just lock onto a movie something like the devil's advocate which like nine people have seen basically mm-hmm. i love that fucking movie mm-hmm. and i will see it uh, defended to my death but uh, it had to have hit me like right at 17 18 years old oh yeah uh, and it, it it tickles my my nipples <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i did not know your nipples were an erogenous zone uh, but now that we know <laughs> yes three C- clockwise four counterclockwise seven mm-hmm. seven 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 i'm gonna parasite your nipples 
Ooh. Go Ooh. counterclockwise, baby. Yeah. I just dropped a Friends reference and you didn't even get it. I was too busy Caught waiting to drop my own Parasite <laughs> reference. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it goes up against, uh, Star Wars goes up against her. Her. Uh, Spike Jones, uh, uh, movie about Scarlett Johansson as an operating system. One of my favorite stories of all time about a movie is that she came in after everything was done and did her audio. Like they had a whole other voice for the DOS and it wasn't working. Um, We've talked about this before because we know, we know who the actress is. I just can't remember her name. Um, Was it Samantha Morton? Oh, I think it was, but it wasn't working very well. And so brought in Scarlet and you, it blows my mind that they, they, it feels like they're interacting. It feels like they're in the same room doing these scenes, talking mm-hmm. to each other, but they're not. He did all that months before, and I think that's a testament to both how good he was and how good Scarlet is. This is one of my favorite Joaquin Phoenix performances because it's not just straight up. Like, I know we love him in The Master and we mm-hmm. love him in Joker and all that, but this is one that actually lets you in a little yes. bit. Yes. And I don't. I feel like Joaquin Phoenix doesn't do that very often. No, he's not a miserable piece of shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it fe- he feels like a real person. Yeah. 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 In this. Uh, His interactions are very human. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, sometimes if he's feeling bad, if he's feeling depressed, he'll he'll feel bad and depressed. When he's not, he's engaging. He's talking to his neighbors. He's talking to Amy Adams and, and her guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's just he's real. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Although I do. I do want to point out that Amy Adams film in this movie is terrible. Yes. Where she's just filming dude sleeping. <laughs> oh, yeah. And yeah. trying to make it and be guy, like art. And the guy is an asshole for saying something about it. <laughs> But he's not wrong. No, yeah. he's not wrong. I don't I don't want to watch that short film. That's bad. <laughs> it's a short film. It's like 15 hours or something like that. Um, but it, it tells a story that, uh, I mean, how far off are we from this? I mean, do we think Do we think that this is something that can happen? I feel like yes. Absolutely. I think so. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like there's going to be a, a ton of varieties of kinds of relationships once robots and cyborgs become like even more human-like and everything and (laughs) but it'll start off with probably operating systems where you just talk there's people who have emotional affairs with people they've never seen like just online typing yeah Mm -hmm. yeah just all you need is a computer to be able to emulate that and we're there yeah just add a voice add a sexy scarlett johansson voice (laughs) look and and at ces this past year it was the wave of sex toys now so they've accepted like the tech industry has accepted like like smart sex toys mm-hmm, as like mm-hmm. a thing. Mm-hmm. So you combine an OS yeah. that can imitate an AI with a sex toy that I can wear and never take off. <laughs> I'm fucking her right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I think that's why this movie works and it, because it is so believable. And it just it seems so forward thinking. Like just the th- the idea of like there would be an industry for women who want to who will be the physical embodiment of that so there's a porsche double day section of this where Mm. they where he where scarlett johansson hires this woman so that it so that she can he can he can have a physical relationship quote unquote with her Mm. and and it just doesn't work out for him and everything and it's could it could be just because he it's it's a he has a different idea of who who 
that OS is. It yeah. could be a variety of reasons, but even Blade Runner twenty forty nine has the same kind of scene mm-hmm. where his his he's almost in love with this digital girl yeah. who goes out and hires a physical girl. Yeah. So they can have sex Imagine together. having a threesome with Mackenzie Davis <laughs> and Ana Tiamos. Man, oh, man. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'd rather I, have... That's all I thought about. My, my dick would explode. Yeah. Would, yeah. I'd rather have one of them than that creepy digital combination of oh, them. Oh, I'm all right with that creepy uh, digital it looks, it looks inhuman. <laughs> Uh, but uh, it, it, that's what I love about it. It feels like Spike Jones really just thought about this and like, let's not just have a guy have have a relationship with his operating system, which is what the fucking Jexy movie is all about. Um, <laughs> Did you ever see that? Yes. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Sounds bad. Oh my god, it's terrible. Uh, the just as an aside, yeah, the Jexy movie is all about Rose Byrne insulting Adam Devine throughout the entire movie and just being a dick to him. Awesome. The entire time. Hmm. That's pretty much it. All right. Um. But uh, but yeah, this one it seems it's so weird. We watch this movie, it feels so believable that he would be in love with his operating system. Yeah, I love how uh, casually accepted it is. Like uh, when when Chris Pratt and his girlfriend ask uh, Joaquin out like for lunch or whatever, and like bring your girlfriend, and he's like, oh, she's an OS, and he's like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. even by the end of the movie, lots of people are having relationships yeah, yeah. with Amy their OS. Um, it's just uh, this movie wrecks me though. Mm-hmm. And I know you don't feel the same way for some reason, but the end of this movie just kills me. It's just like <clears throat> he's so eloquent with love. He writes these cards and letters for other people who aren't very good at doing it. Mm-hmm. But he's he can't. He's never going to get it himself. Why? No, 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 no. Well, well he can't. may get it, but he's yeah. he's just had it ripped away from him. <sighs> yes, I agree. But sh- see, my focus is more on her. She has Fuck become. Her. <laughs> he does, uh, but she has become now a part of something larger that will make humanity better overall. Will make the AI like a different, a whole different universe. And I'm like, man, that's awesome. She has, she has become, she has evolved at the in this but time. at what cost? Breaking and, that dude's heart. I mean, come on. That scene where he realizes that she's only giving him. Like two percent of her attention, the and the rest of it subway, is yeah. yeah. The rest of it is all off on other stuff. Is crushing. It is. It is. And especially if you've had that happen uh, to you I in have the past. A college girlfriend. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> That's why this movie wrecks me. I see what you mean. Yeah, I've had that happen a couple of times too, and it, it 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 is the worst feeling in the world. I do love the music and the song she writes for him, and the little piano ditties, yeah. and uh, it's just it's a very comforting movie. It is. For right up until the end, uh, but it does go exactly as I think it probably would. Yeah, who's the who's the weirdo in that Joaquin Phoenix Olivia Wilde scene? <laughs> oh, well, I, I feel like Olivia, Olivia Wilde, Wilde is. Wilde. She is. She it's is probably justified, but uh, well, I mean, I don't know if it's not justified by anything he did. I think no. Besides him just saying he refuses her, right? Like he just says, "Oh, well, I don't want to." Uh, no. They go. They on, make out. They go on the date. Yeah, they they make out, and she's almost already talking about marriage off that first date. Right. She and, says you're not going to leave me like the other guys. Yes, and then he doesn't ever say like, "Well, let's cut this off" or anything. He's just very hesitant because she's being she's coming on super strong right off the bat, and and uh, and and he goes, "I I I don't know. I've got uh, th- some things or whatever." And because he him and Hawes, that's when she goes, you're a really creepy dude. Yeah. Yeah. Now, 
I know that if I were like having a date with Olivia Wilde and that she wanted to marry me, I would be like, <laughs> probably, yeah. I think, I think it, it's, if memory serves, I think it's like, when am I going to see you next? Meaning, mm-hmm. like, the, well, I want to set up something long term. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think he's still, yeah, he's still married at this point. So, like, technically, even though he's separated from uh, Rooney Mara. Rooney Mara. Um, but, uh, yeah, so yeah, it's just that little hesitant mm-hmm. uh, thing where, uh, she just goes batshit crazy. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. She, she's definitely. It's just weird. I, I feel like that. Yes, she could be reading some creepiness off of him. Sure, but I, nothing in that scene makes me think. Oh, he just blew it. No. You know, I had a. I dated look, a legit one of my college girlfriends. I won't say any names. <laughs> we we went on three dates, uh-huh. and we were just kind of cuddling. I think in one of the lobbies of the dorms, <clears throat> and she says to me. I may want you, but I will never need you. <laughs> now, that should have been a blaring red siren to me that this relationship was not going to go well. And it didn't. It went for a year before it went I thought, oh, I, thought, I thought you married that girl. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember when I watched her and Olivia Wilde starts on this thing, that's what I flash back to is that girl saying, I will never need you. And I remember in the moment I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> I'm making out. I don't, I don't care if you need me or not. But as I, as I dated this girl more, I learned a lot of the reasons that she said that. She had been hurt by... Mm men including her father and her brother and guys that she dated that were rude and and it, it was at her at that point in her life important for her to tell me i'm i am able of taking care of myself mm-hmm. and i don't i will never need you to do that for me um <clears throat> i hope she's doing well mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <probably so>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it could be it could be a variety of reasons why she's like that you know i don't want to i don't want to call anybody crazy or anything i just I, I, her I'll, behavior I'll, is erratic yeah, no, yeah she's the she's the red flag in that scene for sure okay. i love she's such a great actress like she you know how when when actors are super intense and they're looking at somebody, they dart back and forth between the eyes. Yes. Like they'll look at she does that to a disturbing degree <laughs> in that moment. She's like Yeah. Oh man. Okay, so how are we gonna vote on this? I'm gonna go ahead and say her is my choice here. This is a tough one for me because I love that Star Wars. I can't vote against her though. Her is just a spectacular movie, top to bottom. Her. All right, her moves on. It will go up against Arrival. Mm, oh fuck me! Yeah, that's mm. that's a real noodle scratcher. That one right actually, here. like so far, these two have been fairly easy for me. But that one will be tough. Uh, let's move on to uh the six seed Birdman versus the eleven seed Steve Jobs. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, which one do you want to talk about first? Um. Uh, let's go with uh, Birdman. Uh, this movie is still sort of a head scratcher. I've seen it many times. Um, I I don't know how much is in this guy's head. I don't know how much is real. There's one like area of the movie where it sort of clues you in that a lot of. I mean, obviously him flying around fucking New York mm-hmm. is is not real, but. It gives you an idea that a lot of the more fantastic elements are in his head when he does that flight off of the roof and he goes all the way to his theater and he goes into his theater and you see the taxi cab guy running after him yeah. and saying, hey, hey, you forgot to pay and yeah. all that. Uh, but yeah, a movie that feels like one continuous shot with some masked 
uh cuts in it and it's and it's very kinetic told and that that very like minimalistic sound the score that's going on in it little drums and everything yeah uh unsettling uh but yeah he's he's trying to adapt this uh was it the things that we what we talk about when we we talk about love yeah, yeah he's trying to adapt this this play and uh and so many like like when the when the light falls on that dude's head and he gets edward norton to replace him you have to think that he did that right mm-hmm. i mean like that's the all the stuff in here that happens ain't no ain't by accident oh and yeah I, and it's this is a bit of a tough nut for me to crack like i enjoyed the movie mm-hmm. i want to believe the fantastical shit but because of that last scene I, I can't, like you said in the beginning, I can't trust that any of this is actually happening mm-hmm. um, because that in that scene, Emma Stone sees, quote unquote, sees him flying mm-hmm. and has this fantastic face of wonderment. And so I guess we're supposed to believe that's in his head and he's imagining. So then is it all in his head? No, I don't think so. I think I think I saw this very recently, actually, because I only saw it the once mm-hmm. when it came out. Uh, and I loved it, and I I loved it so much that I was like, "Do I really love this movie, or am I just remembering it wrong?" And I love this movie. I understand what you're saying, but I think you can explain everything by you know, anytime he's moving stuff with his hands and stuff like that, he's by himself, mm-hmm. uh, except for that that light fall. The light fall to me could be his way of like explaining that, like, "Oh, I had control over that. I'm going to replace this guy." And so because the light fell on him, you know, that was me doing it. Um, and, uh, you know, besides that last shot, everything is kind of based in reality if he's not by himself. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the, the opening shot is him floating by himself and the voice in smells like balls. Yeah. <laughs> but, you, that, but then why put her in that shot? That's the only place where he breaks that that rule of the fantastical stuff is all when he's by himself. Yeah. What? You mean like the the very last shot? Yes. When she sees him floating out the window. She's looking up. She's just looking up. We don't know exactly what that means. Well, then what's she seeing? It's a sunrise? I don't know. It's it's implied that, that he actually did take off. But I think there's two things. First of all, the voice is controlling all that stuff. Like, the voice is the fantastical element that's making these things happen. It, the voice is, is Birdman. And it's hilarious. Right when he... Uh, uh, right before he jumps out of the window, he goes into the bathroom and he sees Birdman sitting on the toilet. <laughs> but but at that point, because he shot his nose off of his face, like he's essentially extricated himself from that. And I think he does probably die at the end. And I, I think there's just some sort of confusing shot of Emma Stone looking up into the air. Even Even if he plummeted to the ground? She wouldn't know to look at the ground. But she wouldn't be smiling at the air. I don't know. Yeah. I a- guess that that's what baffles me about this movie is that without her staring in what I am going to say is definitely wonder and awe, mm. I don't have any questions. I, I agree with you. But the I- fantastical stuff is all when he's by himself and it's not real. But the fact that you choose to put her in that scene in that moment looking at what has to be him floating up there. I think he wants you to have questions. Well then, I well you guys made me feel wrong when I said uh, well, I, I thought the movie was saying then. he could really fly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's only that last shot. Well, she well, could also be high. She she's true. she's like, <laughs> he grabs the joint and when when he catches her after she's been in rehab and he's like, "What is this?" and she's like, 
that's pot. <laughs> <laughs> this is for anxiety. <laughs> this is also for anxiety. <laughs> What's funny? Yeah, that's hilarious. What's funny is that after she leaves the room and he's you know chastised her for the the pot and all that stuff. He like fucking horks down that joint. <laughs> yeah. He's like, and it's not only like one puff, like he's just like, and he's like getting the smoke and all that shit, too. Yeah. I love Norton in this movie, too. Oh, it's great. Because uh, he's, he's playing, I guess, ostensibly himself, but he's playing one of these, these like whatever goes, like you can only be an artist if you do it real mm-hmm. type of, you know, people and, and, uh, and so, like, that's why he's he has trouble having actual sex outside of a stage yeah. and and everything. Like, you know, people need people when we're on stage, everything else is bullshit if we don't do it for real. So, like, you know, this prop gun, it's got to be a real gun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when he's in the bed with Naomi Watts, he wants to actually be fucking her. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's such a he's a really complex character in this because you don't know whether or not this guy is like somebody to root for or like no well especially because of the sexual assault yeah, essentially yeah um you know he he comes off his brass he's like uh, with emma stone he's like you know it's a theater baby he tells her she has a nice ass and all that mm-hmm. stuff and uh it's a theater baby you gotta you gotta take it but then you see him up with her at the roof later on and he's he's there's a tender side to him. There's mm-hmm. a human side to him. He's admitting that he's a disaster anywhere except on the stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that moment where she's like, she wants to fuck him, and she's like, if if you were to do anything to me, what would you do? And he's like, I would rip your eyes out and put them in my own, so I could look at this street the way that you're looking at it right now, mm-hmm. instead of my cynical worldview. Mm-hmm. Just that's a genius, genius line. Mm-hmm. Sounds like bad sex, though. Yeah, it's <laughs> well, not- it's funny when he says it at first. She's like, "I would rip your eyes," and she's like, "Oh, that's nice." <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how uh, how in context some of these kind of lines play off because that line could be creepy, but he's also trying to be poetic and yeah. everything. It's it reminds me of Punch Drunk Love, where he's uh, where Adam Sandler is like uh, having sex. Well, I'm about to have sex with Emma Watson, or uh, they're making out Emma, or something. Uh, to Emily Watson. Emily Watson. <laughs> That would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Emily Watson, and there's a, and and he goes, he's like, I just wanna, I just wanna eat your face because it's so pretty, you know. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it is a it is a puzzle, and the I think it almost. Uh, it, it almost would be better for me if they didn't show the taxi cab driver running after him after that flight sequence, because then you could maybe possibly say that anytime he's flying it's actually real and it's weird mm. and uh that he can just do that but yeah I, I i don't know it does leave it up for interpretation that could be good thing for you bad thing don't know mm. but it does make it hard to like figure out what what this movie is yeah um a lot of times i think it's very intense and well done and very well paced yeah and i love watching it i've seen uh, it many so, times you agree with that, all those things you mentioned that soundtrack and antonio sanchez is the percussionist you actually catch a glimpse of him towards the end yeah, yeah. he's like in the middle of the, the theater like playing the drums that that drumming is some of the most inventive and like you said kinetic and beautiful drum patterns i've ever heard because mm-hmm. he's hitting stuff that you're not supposed to hit like in a, in a, in a rhythmic situation, right. he's hitting a hi-hat instead of a snare and everything, but everything has a purpose. I love listening to it. The guy that played the kid in Jurassic Park, 
who's in Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm-hmm. Jason Mazzello. Yes. Uh, he tweeted yesterday, uh, time to get back to work, and it makes everybody think he's going to be in the new Jurassic uh, World movie. Mm-hmm. But I just was scrolling through some of his tweets, and one of them was, when it comes to jazz, the worse it sounds, the better they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell if that's pejorative or not. <laughs> I, 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 I don't think it has to be, right? Because I've seen live jazz, and it's, you know, there are times where you're like, <laughs> what? <laughs> this is music? <laughs> Yeah, and I, I will say though, I, I I'm I'm not a I, I I love the critic character in this up until the point that she just believes this play is awesome after he really shoots himself on stage. I I, I see what you're saying, but I I loved how they brought that subtitle, "The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance," mm-hmm. as the headline for that thing, uh, because I I think if you read that article or whatever, she would say like he's almost accidentally great. Like this, this, this makes this play great because he doesn't know what he's doing. Oh, and and he's basically, you know, he's a Hollywood type. She wants to bury her review at the end. You think that she's saying in a way that he doesn't know what he's doing? Yeah, I think that's the meaning of the title, the the headline, the unexpected virtue of ignorance. The critics' review. Mm -hmm. Hmm. I never thought of that way. the The critics' review is basically saying something to the effect of, you know. Uh, real blood was shed on the on the stage last night blah 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 and it goes on this rave this rave Mm -hmm. about it i don't remember anything about are you talking about you're talking about this subtitle itself is talking about her review she's ignorant or is he ignorant he i think she thinks he's ignorant yeah and that's what makes the play work okay if he were coming in to do his typical hollywood bullshit Mm -hmm. it wouldn't work it would be terrible and she already has her mind made up on that right uh but because he goes all in and he's not even acting necessarily he's just doing a a cinema verite on stage Mm -hmm. he's ignorant to what the rules should be uh, I think that's why that turns it around. Uh, and, I, and I think that was a cool, I do understand what you're saying. Like, all of a sudden, whoa, she just completely switched her opinion. Yeah. But, and she was the only one that didn't stand up at the end when he shot his nose off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She just well, she just runs out, yeah. like, ready to write this review. <laughs> yeah. uh, it goes up against Steve Jobs. And, yeah, these both of these movies are just, like, super intense, behind the scenes. And insular in theaters and stuff like that. Uh, uh, Steve Jobs came on think a week or so ago when i had it on watched it uh it's uh it's basically three different product launches over his career one is the uh the whatever they're doing after the the uh, apple II or whatever it is the it's the it's the cube is the cube no the cube is the second thing the first one is the 19 after the 1984 yeah. commercial yeah it was a macintosh yeah it was a macintosh and then then, then they did the then uh from there he does the cube and then after that it's the uh the imac the yeah. imac mm-hmm. yeah um but uh they're all in these behind the scenes type before he's about to go on stage he has family drama and friends drama and all these you know former business partner drama that plays out over these three different areas of time it's really a unique type of movie like it feels like it's going forward in time and backward in time Mm. like just constantly and and uh and and you have to figure out what the relationship is at this point in time with all of these people that he's interacting with and then they're always going back and talking about, well, this is what happened over here. Mm-hmm. And Everybody's got their own interpretation of what happened. Everybody's at odds with each other in this movie. Especially with Jobs. Yeah. Man, is anybody better at saying Sorkin dialogue than Jeff Daniels? 
No. <laughs> I mean, no. from from newsroom to this movie, like he's got it down. Mm-hmm. And uh, his scenes with Fassbender. I mean, obviously, the Seth Rogen in the auditorium scene is the standout scene in the whole movie because that's where they just argue. And, mm-hmm. um, but I think before every, before almost every presentation, he has like a little tiff with Jeff Daniels, and they just go toe to toe with each other. Man, I will mm-hmm. watch anything Sorkin writes, yeah. anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a point. I believe it's in the first before the first presentation where it may, yeah, I think it's because the after the first one is where they they have the falling out afterwards. Yeah. I think uh he uh there's that dialogue about how why is it people who who are adopted think they think they were uh they weren't chosen you know that they that they were thrown away or whatever why do people always think that why not think that they're chosen instead Mm. and steve jobs is like i don't even know what you're talking about he's such a difficult michael fassbender is perfect he is uh, but he's such a difficult person. When Catherine Watterson, his ex-wife, shows up to try to get just a little bit of money to help her out, he's just—he's always finding ways to. He—he—he he, he would easily give her that money, but she—he wants to needle it. He wants to—he wants to just milk everything out of it. And there's that one scene. I love how she, I love how Catherine Watterson plays this because she's there's a he hears some rumor that she threw a cup at her daughter at their daughter and everything, and uh, he goes he goes. Uh, is you you threw a cup at our daughter and, he's like, and she's like she's like what what i i had a i had a cup i threw it down on the ground and he's like, and, and she's like i didn't i was just angry i didn't she wasn't anywhere near she wasn't anywhere near i threw it on the ground <laughs> <laughs> um yeah she's great man he's got baby mama drama yeah oh boy i mean everybody's got the drama i mean and and when i and when i said everybody's at odds odds with each other i did mean with steve jobs like nobody else really has any you know drama with each other it's all there but it's all this just dialogue it's just bam mm-hmm. bam 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 that movie is like two hours i think something maybe a little over two hours it doesn't feel like do it. you think that movie is drawing any conclusions or do you think it's just presenting information like because <clears throat> it seems like steve jobs was kind of a bastard mm-hmm. a brilliant mm-hmm. bastard um and i'm trying to figure out if the movie is saying anything like you have to be this dysfunctional in order to be this brilliant or justifying any of his bad behavior because of i don't get that vibe i, I feel either. like the movie yeah, yeah. is just laying it straight i i totally agree this is you. a man who was a genius but also a dickhead they don't even really show a whole lot of the genius part well i mean he's so more of the hassle part what it shows more about his genius than anything is marketing yeah it doesn't yeah doesn't have anything to do with what he's making because everything he makes i think all three of the i I think the imac was successful but the the other two things that are in this that he's about to present are clearly not i mean he's he's ignored everybody on what these things should be uh the that first thing which was the macintosh i Mm -hmm. guess um that that first thing they were uh you know uh, seth rogan who's playing wozniak wozniak uh is basically saying you need to make it where people can play with it and have fun with it and everything not make it this internal thing where nobody can do anything with it and everything and he's like no 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 we can't do that mm-hmm. so he's made this completely just unusable body you have to you have to deal with whatever they give you well and it it it, it portends all the apple stuff because when he's trying to get Michael Stuhlbarg to, to fix it, to make it say hello, mm-hmm. he's like, well, uh, we'll open it up. And he's like, we can't open it up. 
And uh, Paul, uh, whatever, uh, Kate Winslet's character is like, why can't we? And he's like, you want to tell her? And he's like, they made a special tool for it. He's like, he doesn't want anybody inside. Yeah. <laughs> portends like the iPhone and stuff it like does. that. Where you can't do shit to it. You got to take it to a genius yeah. bar or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Or the FBI. Or the FBI. Yeah. And Stuhlbarg is playing a Steve of some sort, too. I can't remember him. They were all named Steve. Yeah. Steve something. <laughs> Steve. Um, but yeah. It's really, really good. I don't even think, I don't even know what would need it to have changed. Because I think Fincher was originally attached. Um. But it almost feels like a Fincher movie. It does, but I think that's because um, Sorkin wrote the script. <laughs> it doesn't feel like a Danny Boyle. We've talked about how Danny Boyle movies are very eclectic, but mm-hmm. Danny Boyle also has difficulty finishing a story, and I think because of Sorkin's help, he definitely nails it on this oh, one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Stuhlbarg plays Andy Hertzfeld. Uh, Steve Andy Hertzfeld. Yes, yeah, Steve Andy. Well, Hertzfeld. they call him Hertzfeld the whole time, anyway. But uh, they there's a there's a point too where like the, you know the, this has just happened after that 1984 commercial and everything. Daniels again, he's shy. You know, he is great in this. Uh, is talking about. So he says, did we hire skinheads for this? <laughs> and uh, and he's like, he's like, oh, we we wanted to have re- realism, and who cares? We have a couple of skinheads in there, whatever. And, he, <laughs> and he's like, he's like, we've actually we've actually had skinheads on our payroll. <laughs> 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 Jesus. You know, uh, and, and I think that's true. I think oh, that's yeah. I think that's true because they had to they they wanted to have people who looked you know authentic or whatever, mm. so they. Hired whoever they they could to get that authenticity. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, but uh, yeah, it go. I mean, this movie just just flows, man. Like this is one of those. This is one of those where you can pick it up anywhere. Mm-hmm. It just immediately wraps you in. Um, it's so good. Mm-hmm. It is. It goes up against Birdman. Well, how are we gonna how are we gonna vote on this? Mm. Birdman is my pick. Steve Jobs. All right, God damn it! <laughs> I'm gonna have to hem and haul a little bit. Because I love these movies equally. Um. <laughs> so, while he's hemming and hawing, mm-hmm. seen any good Taylor Swift documentaries lately? Yeah. Uh, you know what I like about Birdman? And I guess I'm just attracted to this kind of thing, because it's similar to Eyes Wide Shut. It's similar to another movie that I saw fairly recently. The colors in this movie are just... It, it, Birdman, just pop. Mm-hmm. I love those primary things. You walk from a blue space into a stark red space and then the the opening to the the uh the roof is starkly green and then you get this vibrant new york city skyline and all that stuff uh and it's just so well acted emma stone and edward norton are you like trying to sway the jury here oh just while he was thinking i was just uh gonna list off in case birdman doesn't make it any further i want (laughs) to list off how much i love it look birdman for sure technically is the better movie like i think i think what he's trying to do there is is uh is is really good steve jobs i feel like there's more scenes that i can sink my teeth into hmm. throughout it and I lo- like i said i love these movies i mean exactly the same probably <laughs> but because maybe just because of that steve wozniak argument uh, with uh with jobs i'm gonna have to push that one oh through. it's funny don't don't they have they don't have the argument until the the last one but he's always talking about including yes. the Apple too, right? Yes. Yeah. In each one of the videos. Every single one. wants them thanked. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Steve, that, that is, t- that's why, that's, that's the heart of the movie, mm-hmm. right? Because Steve Jobs is 
exactly that stubborn yeah. and exactly that vindictive. I won't even say thank you yeah. to these people. God, yeah. what a scene. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Steve Jobs moves on. And, yeah, I mean, I think artistic endeavor, Birdman's probably ahead on that one. Um, it just in the end, though, like, what is the movie that wraps you up? the best and for me it's steve jobs I, it's it's based solely on those just couple of those conversations making the edge you know it's funny i don't think people talk about steve jobs like the movie i don't mm-hmm. this seems like it, it was almost lost to time it's it's maybe it's lessened because of the ashton kutcher uh version or well, something like that and i think it also it when that sony hack happened there was all that news about that movie and oh, yeah. Sorkin's emails and what he wanted and why he left the project. And it may have sort of tarnished the idea of the movie in the minds of people who would go see it. Yeah. I don't know. Um, well, that's excellent. All right, guys, it's time to talk about better help. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Online counseling, folks. I'm going to tie this to a movie that we're talking about today uh, because it really resonated with me when I, when I watched it again, eighth grade. Hmm. So in eighth grade, towards the end, uh, the the girl, Kayla, is describing, she's doing a video, a YouTube video, Mm -hmm. and she's describing how she's been feeling lately. She's going through all these transitions. She's about to go to high school. She's finishing up eighth grade. She's shy and all that stuff. And she describes her feeling as being like uh, she's in line for a roller coaster. And like she, it's that anticipation. She has butterflies in her stomach and stuff like that. She's never comfortable. And she says later on, I never get the feeling that you do after the roller coaster mm. she's she's describing anxiety to a t like actual anxiety treatable um clinical uh, clinically diagnosed anxiety but she doesn't know how to label it and i think it's beautifully how it's done uh bo burnham i think has come out and said that he's dealt with some of these issues mm-hmm. too uh but it was so perfectly described and i think a lot of people would describe issues with mental health we say mental health all the time and people don't really know how that translates to them like you can't just say oh i'm having anxiety today no sometimes you're going to describe it as being in line for a roller coaster and, and, and never getting the, the payoff so uh, a place like better help if you are having feelings like that that you can't even describe mm-hmm. a place like better help is is there to walk you through it maybe identify what is going on and then tackle that issue yeah and it's just uh, i can't tell you i mean I love my relationship with my therapist, mm. and I wish everybody was in therapy. Even people that aren't diagnosed with anxiety and depression, I think, could benefit uh, <clears throat> from being in therapy. But um, there are so many people that have barriers that 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 for for one, two, six different reasons can't or don't go to therapy. And I think that's why BetterHelp exists. I think their mission statement even says something about destigmatizing uh, me- mental health mm-hmm. and and therapy. Um, and making it accessible to people who previously it wasn't, whether mm-hmm. that's you don't like to go, you don't like to travel, or there aren't any therapists near you because yeah, you problem. live because you live in you know a big you live in Montana and there's no mm-hmm. towns near you. Um, <clears throat> maybe you get anxious just going to an office of a professional, and you don't want to exacerbate the anxiety about trying to treat it um and but this is what better help is for if you want to do it through text message video chat phone call uh it's at your pace these are licensed professionals and they're almost always in your area um and uh you know we've got several people here at cinema sins who uh, have been using the service Mm -hmm. and i've heard nothing but raves yeah the the convenience of it the idea uh the the second part once you go through all of that stuff that you described of traveling to a therapist finding a therapist working in uh, an appointment time getting the insurance all filed away and all that stuff you may not 
vibe with your therapist, like right. a physical therapist. And BetterHelp, if you don't vibe with your therapist or it doesn't seem like it's being productive, you can change uh, counselors and, and they encourage it. If, if something is not working, they say, well, let's try something else. And that's a great feature. I think that's, that's terrific. Uh, this, this is a great service. Betterhelp.com. Uh, we, we can't recommend it enough. Uh, the, the, the convenience of it, uh, the need for something like this, uh, is just spectacular. If you go to betterhelp.com slash syncast, you get 10% off your first month, uh, which is substantial. If you, if you feel like you're having problems, whether you can define them or not, uh, check it out. Betterhelp.com slash syncast. Uh, do it if you need it. Go ahead. Um, it will go up against the winner of the three seed, the big short. And the 14 seed game night. Ooh. <laughs> well, I just watched game night recently. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, we did. Mm-hmm. Has there, how many comedies care this much about cinematography? Very few. There's feels like there's been one or two since game night came out. Maybe like tag, I think is, yeah. is around there. But before this, I don't think very many. Yeah, very yeah. few. They the uh, most comedies want you to they they do that flat lighting where it's all bright and and colorful all the way throughout. Uh, even when it's nighttime, there it's yeah. just it's kind of like let's put as many bright lights as we can because this is funny. You're supposed to have you're supposed to be in a bright mood all the mm-hmm. time. The game night has a little bit of darkness to it. Yes, so they've they've they really went to the the cinematography well on this one. And I don't even think it's a famous guy who did this one either. There's that scene with the lock where the camera spins opposite the way it normally. Instead of watching the lock spin while the camera is solid, the lock doesn't move, but the camera spins. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you've got that quote unquote one shot with the Fabergé egg and the mm. the Bulgarian's house, not the Bulgarian's house, but that Fight Club house. Um, <laughs> and then you've got all the little tilt shift effects uh, in the transitions. Um, and it's just, uh, it's shot like an action movie. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it was the cinematographer was Barry Peterson, who has shot a lot of these kind of comedies we were just talking about. Like a lot of these, like 21 Jump Street. And, oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, We're the Millers and, uh, um, Vacation and Sisters and those things. He also did Jumper. Um, oh, well. it's hmm. just a second jumper reference. <laughs> uh, Unexpected jumper reference. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. Uh, so, so in, on this one, uh, it's, 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 uh, amazing to me that they all just got together and said, let's make this look awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they even make the, you know, you mentioned like the, the game pieces turning into actual things. Yeah. Like in the last one, they even turned the plane at the end into a game piece yeah. right before it's, it's taxiing. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, this this movie's awesome. Yeah, that, and it, I can't believe that out that uh, surgery scene still makes me cry laugh every oh, fucking time. I've seen it, so, you know, seven I, eight times now. Jason Bateman is probably one of my favorite working comic actors, and it's largely because he's such a good straight man. Yeah. Like he's such a like in that scene, he just like she says they were out of alcohol, so I got Chardonnay, and he's like, "Way to pivot, honey." Uh, and um, he's not being an asshole. He's being he's no, being, he's not. He's sincere about it, and. Uh, and that she's of course charming in anything she's in, um, but you know he's been in, he's been in comedies that weren't funny. Identity theft, uh, you know, it's <laughs> Team not, Wolf too. Exactly. Well, less <laughs> poor bastard. Uh, but it's a really tight script. It's a really solid premise. I am not going to be surprised at all if they make another one. I don't know how much money it made, but in terms, this is a very repeatable concept, I think. Uh, and it's it for me. I've always made the joke that Bugs Life, Three Amigos, and Galaxy Quest are the same movie, 
in different settings. And this is another one. This is a mistaken identity where and it takes it to new levels, I think, man. I just realized both of these movies have Billy Magnuson in them. Mm. Billy mm. Matheson. Magnuson. Magnuson. Oh, he's yeah, he the plays idiot. Ryan yeah. In Game Night and he's Bloodless one of the Bite. asshole stock traders or, or uh, real estate agents in Big Short. Wow. Oh. Mm. Bloodless bite, bloodless mm. bite, bloodless yeah. bite. <laughs> Now we just have to figure out what bloodless bite means. No, we don't. <laughs> yeah, so, and it goes up against The Big Short, which is, I've said many times, is one of my favorite movies this decade. I watched uh, it again last night. Mm-hmm. I'd only seen it once, and I, I gotta admit, I didn't get it. I didn't get it because I'm not smart enough the first time. Like, I just didn't pay attention enough to understand, even though he's breaking it down, like, if they say subprime, it means shit or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that. There were just too many terms coming at me even with the little cutaways and all that stuff and so i didn't understand it i loved it but i didn't understand it and i watched it last night and i i think i understand it a little more Mm -hmm. i'm still dumb well i don't think anybody really gets everything about that subprime thing i've seen it six or seven times and i couldn't tell you (laughs) some of the things that they're talking about on this but but yes i mean ultimately it comes down to the way the ratings of these things were they would you know these banks kept putting like shitty you know contracts in these one in this one thing and calling it a or double a or whatever uh mortgage and everything and then getting people to invest in it yeah and and so then like when and it's all based on you paying your mortgage off right and so the whole thing is if you don't pay your mortgage then these these things that are called a and double a which are actually shit at this point right uh you know that's a lot of money being sunk into things that people think are good products yeah and it, it nothing is more clear as the visual aid of the jingo blocks mm-hmm. that ryan gosling brings out <laughs> by the way he hates his assistant he's always like fuck you <laughs> <laughs> open it up and get the fuck out of here yeah where's the trash can they throwing <laughs> throwing the jingo blocks into the trash it's so perfect like that encapsulates exactly how this all worked and how this all failed and everything. So both I was the like, mo- whoa. Huh? So both the movies we're comparing have Magnuson and Jenga? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> think so. Yes, they do. Think so. Wow. They do. Is that on accident? Yes, it's on Thanks. accident. <laughs> well, I, it's funny how many times you see something come up in a movie that you didn't, you don't, you think that they're completely dissimilar and everything. Like, uh, was it Lady Bird and uh, what, would, what was Lady Bird going up against? Book, well, Booksmart is what we were talking about. No, it was go- what was it going up against? Um, um, Lady Bird and Spotlight. Yes. Yeah, so both of those movies have have small impacts from 9-11 in them. Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, like L- Lady Bird is, uh, is uh, wanting to apply to a college in New York and they're worried about terrorism at that point because the movie set in 2002 mm. and a uh, spotlight uh, the reason why ruffalo was in florida is because yep. uh, he's going down there to uh, uh investigate the flight schools uh and then uh what was it uh, there was a couple of movies i saw uh i think cabin in the woods and eighth grade both have truth or dare uh it's just it's it's yeah. weird how those things happen a lot of times uh but uh yeah if you wanted to make a movie about the uh, about this crisis like you can't make a more entertaining movie mm-hmm. and these people i don't know whether to call them assholes for for profiting on this or some ways getting revenge against shitty banks uh i mean you can look at it a lot of ways i mean you could yeah. look at them as they're scumbags but 
I don't know how you can really call them that, though. I mean, especially the Steve Carell character, because he's yeah. just mad at the world, and he even admit he's self-loathing. He even admits, like, we're profiting off this, and the Brad Pitt character yeah. it literally says it like, you guys are dancing, you guys are celebrating, but people are losing their homes and jobs, and everything is going in the shitter. You guys are profiting, and it, it, in fact, they don't in the end, but... uh you know, don't don't celebrate this. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, Gosling admits that he's an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Gosling may be the only guy who's like doesn't give a fuck right. in this whole movie. And he's <laughs> he's really going for that pure profit and everything. Uh, he's like, listen, you get the Sunday, you get the you get all the ice cream, the nuts and everything. And I get the little cherry on the top. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, this is a miracle. This movie's a miracle. Uh, I mean, I, I, I love how they explain really tough concepts in this entertaining way margot robbie in a bubble bath selena gomez like playing uh what was it uh a 21 Black or yeah. and uh and just uh you know just those little things there make make something that's not really entertaining very entertaining and these characters are great in it and everything um but yeah like christian bale in this he's great he's great um, he is. I, I've never seen a performance like no, this at all. No, he's like inventing new people to play this guy. Like, yeah, he's 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 very clearly on some sort of spectrum. Uh, he doesn't make eye contact. He goes through that whole uh, meeting with uh, I think the the first one is Deutsche Bank or something like that, where he doesn't look at them hardly at all. Like yeah, he's well, and he's pitch. moving a lot too mm -hmm. and fidgeting. And uh, but the performance wise, yeah, it blew my mind. That was probably. The most eye-opening performance in the whole movie. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a pun because he's hey, got a glass eye. Yeah. Sorry, didn't mean that one. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a there's a point in here where he's interviewing that kid at the beginning, mm -hmm. and there's a point where he just fixates on this one like little expression that he has on his face, and it lasts for like six or seven seconds or yeah. something like that, and you're like, "Whoa, what yeah. the hell is going through this guy's head?" It's man? almost hard to follow him at the beginning until you get used to that sort yeah. of. Mm -hmm cadence of speech uh, it's spectacular it's like these mortgages they're built on these bad loans <laughs> and i i think that i think that's gonna I think the housing market's gonna go under man. yeah uh man this i love this movie so much yeah, yeah. it's gonna be it's, every time it goes up against something i'm gonna be worried about <laughs> its fate because i i want it to go far but it could even be knocked out on this round well Oh, I was going to say, do we want to put Game Night out of its misery? Yeah, <laughs> okay. I mean, uh, I don't think anyone would defend Game Night more than me, but okay. I'm voting for um, the big short. Yeah, me too. Okay, me good. Too. I good. love Game Night, but that, uh, Game Night is probably one of the best comedies uh, of the decade, if not the best Game comedy. Night is like Belmont in this bracket. <laughs> It's We're nice to get in there, but they're never going to win the whole thing. Uh, the Big Short will now go up against Steve Jobs. Sorry, Belmont. Belmont yeah. students and Moon Taxi. Because <laughs> uh, they went to Belmont. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. uh, let's go to uh, more land of Sorkin. Uh, the number one seed, The Social Network. Going up against the 16 seed, The Avengers. Mm -hmm. Ah, I watched The Avengers recently. Yes, mm -hmm. and I don't. I guess I don't have to fudge about that because we already announced that Game Night and Avengers are two of the bonus sins videos That's for right. Sin Week. Mm -hmm. That's right. That is why I watched both of them recently. Yep. And uh, and you can go to Sin Week, or you can log on to Sin Week if you become a member of our Patreon. Is this podcast going to drop in? Yeah, it will. Yeah. So starting Monday, March 9th, 
there will be four bonus sins videos, uh, two public for like normal, but then an, an additional four that only Patreon members can get. Any tier, three dollars and up. But Avengers, mm-hmm. we start with Avengers. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, I, I and I, I've always been sour on this movie a little bit. I've like, I like it. I've always been sour on this movie though, and watching it again, same issues I've had with it every time. Yeah, maybe even more. Ah. Uh, watching it this other time around. That beginning scene, we talked about it on on another Patreon thing, the uh, the video that we did, uh, the special video we did for them. You know that that opening Loki scene. Mm. I mean, they do not know what they want to do with these action scenes at all. Mm-mm. I understand why they're like this. It's a huge production. They have only a small amount of time to make these movies. They are not dealing with stuntmen actors. Yeah. So everything is just a bunch of like cuts to like small thing, you know, like I can't keep up with the action in this movie at all. And sure, by the end of it, you're like, yeah, okay, I kind of figured out what happened, but that we just watched a bunch of noise yeah. to get there. You might as well have just put a five minutes of static well, on the screen. You're right. You're right. Because the uh, even, even Scarlet's opening scene with the Russians, uh, and What's a wrong lot with that of one, huh? What's wrong with that scene? It's it's cut way yeah. more than I would care oh, to okay. see. Okay, and it, and you and you know it's one where you can actually you know actually did slow this one down and like frame by framed it and everything <laughs> and you know like I can see I mean you can't see it in the fast quick edit you can see her stunt double you can see where like she'll punch somebody and that person's just fucking out of commission <laughs> for like however long it takes her to knock out the other guy you know we and- do we do get that one scene in new york because most of the new york battle is cut like an mcu movie mm-hmm. uh, but i was struck when we were writing sins with that one 45 second almost all computer generated take where we get you know iron man coming down and lands next to cap and blasts off of his shield then goes back up into the air and passes hawkeye and we see hawkeye shoot some arrows and we follow an arrow and it's fucking thor and hulk on top of one of those beasts um and so i I did you know praise the movie and the script for that because that's that's pretty much the last time you'll get that in the mcu um and you know again you know most of that was computer generated anyway, but it's not cut to hell. And yeah. it gave you a good sense of where everybody's at. Of course, we follow that up with some more sense about mm-hmm. how much the rest of New York is fucked right yeah. now yeah. because <laughs> all the Avengers are in one block. Yeah, they really are. They're concentrated <laughs> right on that. They really thing. are. Yeah. Um, like uh, Loki's motivations are very hard to understand in this movie, too. Like, you know, there's a point where Downey and, and uh, you know, so you have uh, you have Tony and uh, Cap talking and they're like, why do you think he he wanted to uh, uh, imprison himself and everything? And they they come to the conclusion that oh he's a he's a drama queen and he wants to get the Avengers all pissed off so that when he beats them in New York it'll seem like even it'll seem like an awesome task mm. of some sort. And I just I just felt like it was the way the movie just needed an, an action scene. Yeah, it's a helicarrier. They're just like, okay. We just need a scene on this helicarrier. It's it's an awesome thing. Let's put it in there. Yeah. None of the shit that he did made any sense <laughs> at all to me at all. I'm sure some people it's like, oh yeah, totally. He's a drama queen. He'd do that. Yeah, okay. You, I, I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, Case closed. <laughs> exactly. Case closed. And we shouldn't have to have any fucking argument about it at this point. I feel like we're close to taking this movie out of the bracket. <laughs> um, well, I don't know. Social networks got its problems. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's fun. It is the first time we see a collection of superheroes fighting together. The joy of that New York battle. Mm. Um Especially the the fun Hulk stuff. It, it was the first time we ever got anything like that. Mm-hmm. And you know, even the even the team ups that the MCU has given us since have not necessarily had that same joy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, DC's Justice League obviously didn't get us there no. either. I think there's something to be said for you know catching lightning in a bottle a little bit, lightning, huh? Yeah, uh, um, nice. in a, a little bit just to. Although I did think it was funny. In Avengers near the end, one of them says, you have the lightning. And so Thor just like throws the lightning up into the sky. And I was thinking, yeah, he's not going to need that hammer for that. Yeah. Here in a couple movies. <laughs> right. He's gonna, not the not the god of hammers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I totally forget about that after that, too. Uh, but uh, but yeah, the Hulk scenes, the Hulk beating up Loki scenes. Great. The uh, the that fight out in the woods with Thor and Cap and Iron Does Man. Does mother know you were at her drapes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, those are those are good. I mean, you know, overall, that's an enjoyable movie. But yeah, uh, it goes up against the social network. That's uh, a pretty good movie. That social network. It is. Yeah. Um, yeah, Social Network and Steve Jobs are tied by Aaron Sorkin dialogue and everything, and and it's almost like the directors are incidental <laughs> in a way. <laughs> Although I think Fincher, Fincher definitely adds his own stuff to the Social Network that's not really apparent uh, from what Danny Boyle does in, in Steve Jobs. Yeah, no, no I there's agree. a there's a a filter mm-hmm. that there's a way that a, a Fincher film looks from Zodiac. I'm pointing at the where Zodiac used to be. Yeah, from Zodiac to even the game uh you know and and social network and among other seven has the same mm. not patina but like almost like a, a yellow tinted type of perspective that makes it feel dreamlike i love the fucking score for this movie yeah mm, that's Atticus Ross and Reznor. six notes of that piano where it's like boom boom doom mm-hmm. boom boom doom <laughs> and it is fucking perfect like i love simplicity in film score and this was you know trent reznor i think it was the first time he'd scored a movie i think so uh They've done on this scale, for sure um and you know there's, there's plenty of i think reznor ish-ish-ish-ish-esque <laughs> sounding sounds here there's some unsettling stuff when it needs to be i think the fincher shot of Zuckerberg running through the Harvard campus is mm. very unique. I think that fucking tilt shifted rowing scene yeah. um, is very Fincher esque. Um, but again, the, the star, I think, is Sorkin's dialogue and the actor spitting it out. And mm-hmm. they're all pretty. Jesse Eisenberg has never been this good in anything. Yeah, I agree. Um, was, uh, when did Alpha Dog come out? 2005. Okay, so it had been. I was, th- I was thinking, like, this is Justin Timberlake's best performance, but he's been on a roll because he was in. Black Snake Moan. Well, he was in uh, Alpha Dog, then Black Snake Moan, and then this. Mm-hmm. He's had, besides In Time, maybe, and he's not the problem with In Time. No, he's not. Uh, <sighs> he's had a pretty stellar acting career mm-hmm. so far. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I think he's I like his acting with yeah. music. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, 
yeah that I, I that there's so many scenes in this that i love they uh the eduardo uh throwing the computer on the ground <laughs> telling telling uh telling um zuckerberg to lawyer up asshole <laughs> so uh, great i love that because i'm not coming back for whatever percent i'm yeah, coming back for, for everything <laughs> <laughs> um and uh and timberlake has that that uh thing where he's like uh, where he's sort of dick measuring contest with eduardo in there where he, everybody knows me or something like that or so just, how many people know you or something what is it what is the thing where he says nobody oh that's no you're that because it's when uh eduardo shows up in the rain to the house and they're bickering oh, before yeah. zuckerberg comes out and and uh eduardo needles him about his failed ventures or whatever mm-hmm. and he basically says that you know you know everybody knows who i am because of those ventures and you know, you know how much i've heard about you then he he gets him in trouble because he's doing blow off of uh with some some underage underage they all say they're 18 when the the cops come in 18 18 18 he's he's such a scumbag (laughs) yeah but i love it i love it yeah yeah it's good you know what's what's funny about this movie is that uh eduardo and and uh zuckerberg go out to celebrate face mash or whatever it is that first night and they go out to the bar and they hook up with these randos. They give them blowjobs in the mm-hmm. in the toilet. And I think they end up like dating. They both end up dating. One of them well, does. Eduardo does. Eduardo. The one with Eduardo becomes his girlfriend. Okay. Zuckerberg does not. Oh, okay. But, but then, then that girl is the one that like burns his trash can. And she's oh, like, yeah, I left right. you 46 messages today. 46 <laughs> messages. Did you know that? And he says, yes. And I think that was completely normal behavior. <laughs> 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 and she's and he's like and why haven't you cha- changed your status on facebook it's like i don't know how you mean the vice president of facebook doesn't know how to change his status on facebook and and then uh and then then she she burns that what's that gift or whatever she burns something and like puts it on the bed and yeah, starts yeah. Burning yeah yeah and everything is like and then he he yells at her and, he, and it was i can't remember what, everything he says but he goes but at the end of it he's like and also i'm breaking <laughs> up with you <laughs> You know, I just realized that Jurassic Park kid I talked about is in this fucking movie. He's oh, yeah? the he's the third roommate. Um, oh, the, oh, really? That codes with them or whatever. Yeah. Oh, um, wow. You knew his name when I thought of the second ago. Joseph Mazzella. Joseph Mazzella. Yeah. He's in this movie, <laughs> and I will never see that kid without thinking Jurassic Park. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, he's Dustin. I think their roommate. You know, it's it's weird. Do we do we? And we're considering Zuckerberg in this movie. We're not thinking about Zuckerberg in in the real world. Yeah, here. you can't. <laughs> um, but th- is Zuckerberg in this movie? Do you think the actions he takes? Do you think he's really trying to screw people over, or do you think his mind works at such a fast rate that he wants to get this stuff done now, and he doesn't want to be slowed down by anybody, and so he does things that uh, that go against people's feelings, essentially. Uh, because he wants to get it done fast. I think so. So like, um, I think there's some of that, but like at least with 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 Eduardo, when he screws over his shares, mm-hmm. that's direct retaliation for Eduardo emptying the freezing the bank account. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, with the Winklevosses, I I'm more willing to think that he he thought they would slow him down, and the idea was too important to mm-hmm. pursue. I don't. I never get the vibe in the movie like he's like I'm gonna fuck these kids over. Yeah. No, I think he's just he's just. In his own head so much that he doesn't consider other people's feelings. No, he's like, go fuck it up. I'll make it good. Yeah. 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 I've never gotten the sense in this movie that he's really actively trying to screw over anybody. It's just that 
he gets an idea he's like i'm gonna go with it and he doesn't think about all the relationships involved with it same thing i mean we see that right at the beginning right when mm-hmm. when rooney mara is like you know breaks up with him and then he goes and does that hot or not essentially uh website yeah. that very night yeah. yeah he's he's unconcerned with other people's feelings except for he finds an appeal with uh with sean parker uh because of the fame i guess mm-hmm. but otherwise he's he's just in his own loop like, yeah nothing else is considered mm-hmm. if i was a drug dealer i couldn't give free drugs away to 600 people in one day <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh okay so yeah social network social, yeah, social network. network yes yeah. sorry uh iron man yeah <laughs> he's doing just fine well yeah. actually he's right. not doing fine uh social network will go up against the winner of the eight seed parasite or the nine seed the florida project wow oh man i tell you what i rewatched parasite and oh did you yeah oh wow yeah i need to watch it again uh, i got it on blu-ray what do you think uh it's better the second time really mm-hmm. and you loved it the first time too mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. i can't wait to watch this i watched again. the florida project this morning really i wish one of you fuckers had told me that was gonna break me oh i i i would i don't think i would have guessed actually that it would have broken you but it, there, it does have let's go ahead and talk about the florida project oh right. i can't wait to talk about this movie because we haven't really talked about it you saw it when it came out i think right yeah i saw it yeah. in theaters but we and, haven't as the three of us discussed yeah, it. yeah yeah um so the florida project is going over a i, I guess a it's not a i wouldn't call it it's a situation or a phenomenon i don't know if you want to call it a phenomenon of uh basically homeless people who are living in these cheap motels around disney world Mm -hmm. uh and they i feel like they set this up so well too at the beginning like everything is just so garish and and just offensive (laughs) like every building is either like one solid color or they're the 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 storefronts are like got a big giant jesus head or something like that uh and uh in the movie's episodic it just follows around these this little girl and her friend uh the what's they call him they call everybody's got an e at the mooney and scooty scooty is the main kid <laughs> and the Sco- i think he was an actual kid who lived in like a motel like this. oh that's really? fascinating yeah um and uh and so you have brooklyn prince and you have him and then they run into uh very beginning of the movie they're spitting on this woman's car <laughs> yeah, they're so awful yeah they're so like the movie makes me hate these kids yes. in the first three minutes <laughs> and by the end i was bawling yeah. oh yeah. yeah oh they're such little shits <laughs> they are they are uh you 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 know that they're just like i mean they're almost like be- they're becoming what they will be when yes. they're adults, right? Yes. And they're woman, only six or so. The woman right? yeah. whose car they're spitting on says, I'm going to come up there and tell your parents. And then Moody goes, I don't live here, bitch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then, and then uh, Mooney ends up spitting on a little girl that ends up being one of their friends. Yep. Yep. So, so funny is like they, when they, after they spit on this car and they run away and then they come, they, they're told that they have to come back and clean the car and you know the mooney's mom is played by bria vanite who's uh was discovered on instagram yeah Uh, well she's good at playing a terrible mother yeah oh yeah yeah terrible person yes yeah um and uh she they they tell they they say basically the punishment is to go back and clean the car while they're cleaning the car the little redhead girl that uh, was spit on ends up helping them clean the can i help (laughs) because they're having fun with it Yeah. yeah she is uh you know what's 
I love this movie. I love this movie a lot. And you're right. I, I broke down at the, at the end too. She's a terrible person. She's a terrible character in this movie. Uh, you can tell that there's probably almost definitely a history there of, of maybe trauma or something like that, that causes her to act how she acts. Mm-hmm. But we're not given any of that information. No. Uh, so she just comes across as just a terrible fucking person. And it, it does bother me, but I think it's supposed to bother like, me. Like, they run in after spitting on the car, and she's just laying on bed smoking a blunt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, she's... I did love the moment when the child services come, and the girl runs off, and the, the camera's zooming in on the mother as she says, you let her run away, and I'm the one that's un- unfit, yeah. and it zooms right in on her mouth, and she goes, fuck you! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um... She's. I thought that performance was great. Now, for all I know, she wasn't doing a lot of acting. I don't know. I'm not trying to say she's a bad mother in real life or anything. No, no, no. no. no this, <laughs> it's yeah, just. This. It's just the way it's presented. She is irredeemable to me. Yeah. She's oh, yeah. Just a, she's an Instagram model. I actually saw an interview with her, and she kind of has that affectation of what how she speaks in this movie, but it's a little bit different mm. and she's and she's you know she's just a single instagram model she's a, i don't think she has any experience with any of the stuff that's going on in the in the movie at all but um i think they portray her as yes awful but maybe loves her daughter but you know when it's convenient it seems like yeah i guess um the only thing that she does well or or, or right by that kid is put her in the fucking bathroom when she does her online sex shit. And yeah. even that, I'm not going to give her credit for that. No, oh, it's not online. It's, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These guys are actually coming over. Uh, there's even a scene, too. Uh, it's pretty well done where uh, she's uh, Brooklyn Prince is, in, is, is taking her like bath or whatever. And the guy walks in. You you don't see him walk in. You mm. just hear the noises. And he's like, oh, my God, you got a kid in here? Yeah. And she's like, get back in here. I told you not to, the bathroom was off limits. And uh, and then and then the next scene, she's selling these like Disney World bands. Yeah. Uh, I did not. I was not aware that Disney World had these kind of colored bands. They do. It, it controls. It pays for everything. It opens your hotel door. Yep. Oh, really? You can pay for your meals or buy a Coke in the park. It's it, rad. It does everything. But also, oh. also totally tracking your every movement oh, and yeah. using oh, that data. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And she's selling those. I think they've got a value of like seventeen hundred dollars or some shit. And she sells it for like four hundred to some dude who comes into the parking lot and she's like, "Oh, they're gonna they're gonna try to sell you all this other stuff and everything here." Just I, I, he's like, "I'll go into the park with you if you want. If you, yeah. I could promise these will work." And then uh, later on, that the dude the dude we only heard off screen shows up to the motel room and and says, "I know you took those things. I know you stole them and everything." And she basically like you say i've never I, I don't know what you're talking about it's blah 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 and and then and uh and uh you know gets willem dafoe who's fantastic got it nominated for an oscar yeah. gets willem dafoe in on it and everything and and she's like i've never seen this motherfucker in my life blah 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 and then when she comes back in brooklyn prince is like oh did he need to come back and pee again yeah 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 and and she's so yeah oh man brooklyn prince is so good in this has she been in anything else I think she had been in some other things before this, uh, and and she's been in stuff. She's since. playing a six year old. I don't think she's much older than that. No, mm. and and I think from what I understand on this production, uh, the kids uh, were given a script, but they were encouraged to do a lot of ad libbing. Mm. And you can see too. I've seen behind the scenes of this. 
uh, where the director is like feeding them lines off the camera and everything. And they say this, all right, say this and uh, say it this way, you know, this type of thing. And, um, and so, or, and then they'll say, I think they just say, Hey, you're talking about this, start talking about this. And they'll come up with their own, own things. Yeah. The, uh, the ending of this movie, she's such a talented, and I guess, natural actress. The end of this movie, what breaks me is that she starts crying like a little girl. Mm-hmm. She she shows up at her friend's uh, room, and and it's it's like a six year old crying. Well, she the knows- whole time she's been you know foul mouthed and like basically just. Uh, rubber because uh, she know, knows Teflon. they're gonna take her away she just starts crying like well and she and even like, oh. she even says i i can't say it and the other friend's like what this is gonna break me just talking about it but she says i'm expecting her to say they're gonna take me away from my mom or these mean men are here but all she says is bye like she just yeah. says yeah. bye and yeah. starts crying yeah. and the girl grabs her hand and says we're gonna run to fucking disney world oh, i bawled like shot. two hours ago i bawled like a baby <laughs> because i i we moved a lot when i was a kid mm. i had to say goodbye i was never taken off to by child services to foster care <laughs> but i had to say goodbye to my best friends when i was a really little kid and i wasn't i wasn't i didn't realize that nerve was still so raw until oh, wow. i watched this movie and it's such a gut punch like it is what are the odds that girl's life gets better? No, she's just going to have that moment at the Magic Kingdom. And that's the perfect place. Her friend knows exactly what to do. Yeah. And it's crazy to see the proximity of something like Disney fucking world yeah. to this extreme that's how it is, property. Man. That's shot, how it is. They shot that scene without Disney World's approval. You could tell. Yeah. <laughs> that is very They are running. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they get all the way to the, the castle, man. They didn't, sure they they didn't have, right at the end. like, obviously the little girls in the movie didn't stop and buy a bracelet to get in or whatever, but, you know, but my, my sin brain was like, hey, somebody stop those kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, this is, this is a really good movie. It's, it, it's like I said, it's episode episodic there's there's not really a a plot i mean other than the mother is trying to make ends meet and at the beginning she's saying that she she's when she goes to uh, uh, the unemployment i think she's trying to get uh she's supposed to get 30 hours of a job i guess they don't care what job because she's talking about her stripper job Mm -hmm. and they said that oh i didn't had to leave that place because the manager said i had to do extra stuff that i didn't want that i wasn't comfortable with we don't know if that's true or not right uh and then then she starts selling these like uh she buys these perfumes wholesale and then tries to tries to make it out like they're like some expensive perfume that she's giving a deal on to all these people those were real people by the way oh wow they had to go and um they had to go and like uh uh get the permission for them to be in a movie afterwards mm. oh, wow. and everything uh but uh they, they she's going around trying to sell those perfumes and then finally she just ends up saying all right well i'm gonna start hooking now yep, yep. um and then yeah and it's uh it's also a little heartbreaking too because she's got this best friend who lives directly oh, underneath yeah uh and they're they're best buds and everything but because um because of the the apartment they they burned that abandoned building yeah. and it's and, you know she's like doesn't want her kid hanging now her friend also fucks i think also starts fucking that up she fucks this up because she doesn't tell why 
that that they're she's, oh yeah she just says you can't play with them anymore and then when they you know they always had that morning go to get waffles mm-hmm. at the place where she works and everything and she's like i'm not, not going to give you anymore i'm not gonna give you any more free food yeah and tell your mom i don't want you hanging out with my kid anymore she doesn't say the reason why mm-hmm. uh and and that's where that whole friction starts and everything but god yeah she beats the fuck out of her man in front of the kid too man yeah Woo-hoo-hoo. yeah Woo. jesus the movie has emotions it's it's i liked watching the movie it's it's very it's difficult themes and all that stuff but i i thought it was a very good experience i yeah. thought okay so willem defoe is maybe one of the best things about the movie mm-hmm. but he was on the verge of pulling me out of it because he's such a big name and everybody else in this movie is so new yeah and yeah. like even apparently some of the people were real people who were just walking by and then there's willem dafoe famous yeah. actor there was yeah there was oh, like so they were in real motels with real people and real workers and everything um yeah that was a thing <laughs> what i'm just thinking about the time where he has to tell the woman to cover up oh <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> he's like come on and, and, you and, can't do this and, yeah yeah he's like what i have big titties i want to i want to put them out and then and uh and and then he like tries to put some clothes oh my god you touched my tip <laughs> um, all the time the kids are going like boobies, boobies. yeah 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 uh but yeah there was a there was a uh i I was uh during that making of or whatever he said something like i almost didn't want to put willem dafoe in here for that very reason that you're talking about because um but i but i wanted to have somebody that i mean you know you have to have somebody to try to sell it well and he's perfect he's great Mm -hmm. i'm I'm glad he got nominated and he he didn't pull me out of the movie i just there was a couple of times where i thought wow he's the only name actor in this whole (laughs) thing yeah okay and yeah well you have caleb landry jones who plays his son yes okay yeah i'm sorry i mean it's i mean you're right uh but uh but like yeah he there's all sorts of the the maxi pad scene Mm -hmm. in this apparently the director said that happened to him as a theater manager oh Oh my god so like he told some girls to stop acting up or something like that he was 17 at the time and a girl did that at very thing oh my jesus um okay so it goes up against parasite which there is a a similar theme there is poverty is the main underlying theme and how how people react to i don't think the people in parasite react to it much better than the people in florida project do (laughs) they don't turn to hooking but you know there's something a little more sinister about what they do i watched this movie with a a little bit of a different eye this time just looking at you know maybe some symbolism and the, the main symbolism that i got out of it was think about where they're living the one image from the first time i watched this that just kept going through my head was the the little like uh thing where they're hanging the socks uh-huh. and i was like why does he start with that mm. he starts with this shot of the little circular thing with the socks hanging up on it and then the camera moves down and we see the the son who's trying to find a wi-fi mm. signal and i started to realize that that the reason why he starts with that is that they are beneath everybody. Mm. They are beneath people's feet. Mm. They are beneath people who are going to use the bathroom outside just, and, and there's a bunch of garbage out there. They are beneath that. They're literally. Yes. And figuratively beneath that. Yes. And so it's interesting. Once the son starts going to the rich, uh, the richer house, you start seeing him ascending 
Mm. And it's they go up and it's the everything is higher and higher and higher. And we don't know really how low they are until later on in the movie. If you're looking at this theme and everything. Um, uh, so they get into this house and yeah, the, the, the whole movie is basically them sort of usurping every person that's working for this family and getting their own family members in mm. to, to replace them. Um, but uh, there's a point when when they're after they've been spending the night and they expect the, the the family to be out for the evening and they can just use their house while they're gone and everything and they're like throwing chips everywhere yeah you know? yeah uh, <laughs> girls getting shit faced yeah exactly and there's the <laughs> the giant rainstorm and they've come back early and all that and they've had to hide under this table this whole yeah time. oh my god um uh it's it's when they finally get out. And it's it's raining super hard, and this is that flooding scene and everything. But notice the path that they have to go to get back. You don't know how high they've had to go, how how high they've had to walk to get to this house. But once they start running to back to their old house, you see them go down a stairway that is longer than the one that's in Joker. Mm, Yeah, it's like I mean they are really far down. This is how far down their characters these people are in this Mm. whole thing. And it made me also start thinking about how low does he think that the guy living in the basement is? Mm-hmm. Because even that guy is above them. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. that guy doesn't have to worry about his next meal yeah. because he's going to be getting it from this rich family some way, one way or another. It's funny. He's that far down, but he's still that much higher than this family. Yeah. Man, the image that stuck with me, uh, I've seen this twice. The first time I watched it, the one that stuck with me the most, when they go back and the house is flooded, is the image of the girl trying to keep the toilet lid down while the sewage is coming up mm-hmm. as she tries to just smoke a fucking cigarette. Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. That's the image that, that I go to, too, for, for whatever reason. Well, I think, well, I used to smoke, so I understand the desire for nicotine when crisis happens. It's, it's her being almost casual it is. about all this literal shit piling up around yeah, her yeah. that I think is emblematic of this whole story. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's so good. Even when they're lying under that table, you could say that's them being beneath the rich people mm-hmm. who are on the yeah. couch. Um, I'm going to make that Ramdan, though. I talked my wife into it. Oh, man, that looks awesome, <laughs> doesn't I prob- it? I probably will not use a $100 piece of steak like they did. <laughs> and even that, that's fa- fascinating to look at. I've seen maybe five videos this week of people teaching how to make your own Ramdan. But like in the movie, even when the rich people eat poor people food, because Ramdan is considered poor people food, they throw a $100 steak on it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just another wrinkle of how different these two people's lives are Mm -hmm. and of course the the quote-unquote supposedly poor woman didn't even know how to make the dish yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. anyway it's it's fascinating look at at not just poverty and and wealth but just uh class systems and the whole the whole thing that sets it off is you you know i can smell the the poor on you basically is what this guy says and i think that would set anybody off Yeah, yeah well and it's 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 that he's been hearing this over and over again and how you know, like, even though he's doing everything that he's supposed to do, he's the perfect employee and mm-hmm. everything. Still, that one thing has been, you know, has been, you know, and he's been just kind of saying the 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 uh, the father or whatever, the head of the household has been sort of saying this. And he hasn't been he hasn't really he's been internalizing it this whole mm-hmm. time. Because the, when they first when he first mentions that they all go back to their old house and they're like, so we're gonna have to start washing our clothes and different uh, with different detergents yep. and everything. It's like, like no, it's the smell around here. It doesn't matter 
it doesn't matter how we cl- clean our clothes and everything. It's it's this basement that's the it's problem. part of it's part of who we are. This yeah. is the it, even though that's an assholeish comment to make. I don't think he's trying to be an asshole. Is anybody a true asshole in this movie? Oh, the, even the the rich people. I yeah. think I think the I think the head of the household is. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's a point where he where and and this is another thing that I think that is sort of internalized is when, um, and I'm I, I wish I could do names justice so i'm gonna i'm gonna see if i can try to do this um but the father of the parasite family mm. kim ki tak i don't know um but the head of that family he's driving him he's driving this uh, uh mercedes mm-hmm. i think um and uh and uh, he's a point where where uh the the husband or whatever says you know says something offhand about his wife and and he goes what you love your wife right and he goes he goes yeah let's let's call it that <laughs> and uh and 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 so like he the guy's like man you don't even love your wife you don't even he doesn't really he doesn't seem to be like much of a father really at all you know he just kind of does That's what his, does does what his mom what his wife tells him mm. uh and he he makes the orders but she's the one who does the actual like hiring and firing and all that she doesn't do any actual work though Mm -hmm. she um she all she does is lie around napping all the time yeah uh but yeah i mean he's the closest to being an at the the absolute total bastard everybody else has got their rough edges though but yeah yeah i'm not sure i can look at anyone and call them totally bad or totally good yeah i think that's the magic of the movie what's also probably the point of the movie Yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 um but uh yeah i mean this uh this movie is just just fantastic it's the the it's one of those stories that you just can't you cannot figure out what where it's gonna go you think you do you think you kind of do uh but you know they they go through this whole thing where you're like okay they've infiltrated this family they're getting four incomes from this rich family including the 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 uh the daughter is getting like uh like a a huge amount for this art therapy that she's doing and everything and stuff that she apparently just googled (laughs) just before they're getting four incomes and you're like okay there's gonna be something they're gonna get found out somehow whatever they're never found out Mm -hmm. and they and because of some other secret that they don't know about which is this secret room that's in the house housing this this dude who's like running away from tax he's like a tax evasion guy you know uh because they don't know that story the whole ending has got to be the most confusing thing ever for this family oh yeah because they have no idea (laughs) all the thing you know and and it's baffles the news later when the news is talking about it too they're like what you know and they don't know where this where the father ended up you know they don't know where what a, he, what a beautiful reveal by the way mm-hmm. that, that last shot that last sequence yeah just blew my mind yeah 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 he's uh the, the son's decided that he's going to make money he's going to go to college he's going to make money he's going to buy that house it's never going to happen yeah it's never going to happen yep god this movie rules yes it does it is one of i said it before i will say it till i die it is one of the most i do not know what's coming next movies i have ever seen and if that is a feeling you enjoy that alone should get you to watch this movie Mm -hmm. because you will not even though we spoiled some of it you will not see the twists and turns coming and it plays like four or five different movies at different times so good i don't know if we need to do spoilers on this i think people know that we're going to be talking about the movies at this point yeah uh but um 
anyway, uh, these two go up against it. And when I first saw this, I thought this was an absolute mismatch. Mm-hmm. And it may still be. But Florida Project is way better than I gave it credit for. Oh, it's so good. And uh, I, I liked it. But this is I watched it a second time through, and it's just man, it's it's movie's good. But I'm picking Parasite here. Parasite, <clears throat> uh, definitely Parasite. I love me some Florida Project. I'm glad I watched it. Uh, but I'm yeah, glad Parasite. I I'm glad I can make that decision, having only seen Parasite twice and Florida Project once, mm-hmm. as opposed to like. I saw Parasite 10 times, but I just watched Florida Project this morning. So mm-hmm. Florida Project, like I said, wrecked me. Parasite didn't make me ball like a baby, uh, <laughs> but it's a better movie. I tell you what, There's man, that, say. there is one. There is a, an image in Parasite that makes me laugh every time. They even showed it during the Oscars uh, when they're trying to get rid of the housekeeper. And uh, they're they're building up this idea that she's got TB. Tuberculosis. <laughs> and uh, and uh uh, they they they're throwing this peach fuzz on her so that she'll start coughing because she's like you know she's uh, allergic to peach, and uh, and so they come home. He and the and the 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 mother of the household come home, and uh, she's coughing like just ridiculous. They've just had this big TB talk, <laughs> and uh, and she's coughing ridiculous amounts, like going over to the trash can or going over into another going into another room, and then you know dude goes over to the trash can and like. Pil- pours that hot sauce on the <laughs> on the napkin and that look on his face that dead-eyed look on his face when he shows the napkin with the blood quote unquote on it and he's just like like that <laughs> that that look on his face is so priceless um makes me laugh every time even though they're totally fucking that housekeeper no man. kidding man uh, but yeah, Parasite moves on against the social network and we're going to have a battle on that one. Oh my God. Uh, our final two matchups, uh, uh, are the five seed gravity Ooh. against the 12 seed boyhood gravity. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the first of the last two matchups here, gravity, um, it was, uh, no, this was the, what was this? The second, what was of the, the space? I, I consider all these space movies to be, I think it's the first one. Right? I think it is. Yeah. First one of these big heady space movies that had come out in the middle part of the decade. Uh, it is a singular theater experience. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The uh, only 3d movie I've ever enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only movie I've ever enjoyed watching in 3d. Oh, you actually did watch it in 3D. I did. Well, it was it was accidental. Uh, from what I remember, it was just the timing. That was the only show I had I saw an this, option to see. I saw this movie in Chicago on my birthday. It came out October 5th, 2013. That was a good birthday. Uh, went to see the Chicago Symphony Orchestra the night before. Then went to see Gravity. Jesus, the, the, that's a that pretty night. good trip. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, I think I saw this twice. Uh, I'm not, I don't remember if I saw it in IMAX both times, but oh. I saw it in IMAX uh, at least once. And, uh, and that that imax man that whole oh, like that God. the space and the big huge earth in the background and Ooh. all the stuff that happens this is just a it's an experience it's it it sort of suffers on its rewatch value because of that right yeah because now you can't really emulate that unless you get some you know hundred thousand dollar tv screen yeah no sort. kidding especially uh, with the way it starts yeah i mean the, the way it kicks off after that first little interlude with her flying off into the depths of fucking space mm-hmm. in the theater, immersed in that, is the most terrified that I've been 
maybe ever in a theater. Well, and I think I joked that it's a horror movie, uh, that you could at least call it one. Yeah. It made me anxious uh, for all the right reasons, um, gripping the seat handles. And yeah, because I don't think there's been a movie that's really put us in that, right? Like no. there's been space movies that show us, you know, well, there goes Tim Robbins. He's flying off into space. He's over there. <laughs> but none that ever made us feel like Tim Robbins. It's Mission to Mars, by the way. But nobody's ever put us in the middle of that yeah. to where the viewer feels and experiences the disorientation of tumbling through space. You see just a brief shot of the, the Earth. The fucking Earth, Earth flies by Earth, in like yeah. a nanosecond. Mm-hmm. God, it's terrifying. Uh, Quaron is really something special. He is. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to see anything he makes from here on. But he, he he's shaping up to be a little bit Danny Boyley in terms of he's not genre specific. Oh, no. We get, you know, something like character study like E2 Mama, uh, Tom Bien. Then we get something like Children of Men, uh, which is a big heady idea. And then we get Gravity, which is like a space anxiety thing. And then we get Roma, which is like nothing ever before. (laughs) What's he going to do next? I don't know. I don't know. He's amazing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. We had never really seen anything like this. And um, uh, I, I mean, and he's got this theme that keeps going through his whole his whole movies, man. It's about motherhood mm-hmm. and children. Mm-hmm. Sandra Bullock has has lost a child in this, and it sort of motivates her throughout this entire thing to try to get back. And including the last scene where she's coming out of the water, and that's a big yep. childbirth uh, uh, metaphor and everything. He loves him some coming out of the water childbirth type <laughs> stuff. He, t- he does, uh, yeah. <laughs> And there's a very minimal score on this too. Just yep. to- yeah, it's really good, but mm-hmm. it is minimal. I I love, and it's funny you had it in your your song, but I love that they killed off Clooney, and I love that they killed him off so early. Mm-hmm. And because if if you had a buffer to go back and forth with, you wouldn't have the anxiety that this uh, the the claustrophobia that this movie does. Once he's gone, she is alone in the vacuum of space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, until his with ghost no shows fucking up. way back. Yeah, although before he dies, he's so fucking level-headed. Like, yeah. his dialogue gives no indication they're in the middle of an emergency. Yeah. He's like, all right, well, here's what we need to do. You need to go over here and open this hatch, and then together we're going to... Like, he's so fucking calm. Like, you can see the juxtaposition of how a professional astronaut handles a crisis and how a teacher who's gone up there for one mission handles a crisis. Mm-hmm. You got to sip it like wine, not not chug it like beer. Yeah. No, but that's that keeps her alive. Yep. yep, yep. Uh, anyway, mm-hmm. I love this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it goes up against Boyhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richard Linklater's twelve-year uh, Odyssey. There. Yeah. He uh, he gets uh, he gets Eller uh, Eller Coltrane uh, at the age of I think seven. Yep. And makes this movie over I think a course of maybe thirteen years. Mm uh and i guess they're all like small short stories per year for like four, 15 minutes or something like mm-hmm. that um progressively more assholeish alcoholic my god man partners she, for- patricia arquette cannot catch a break in this movie no they all like every single person that it, like so like the first boyfriend that's your typical asshole asshole boyfriend then the next guy is like a college professor of some sort or whatever. He seems funny and it's like, yeah, it seems a little, he seems a little old for her, but like, he seems like a stable presence. He's a big fucking alcoholic yep. and asshole. Like mm. he might be the biggest asshole in this movie. Is he the one? Yeah, it's this scene. I think it's this scene 
where you you see him, he goes to the garage and pours like an entire cup of vodka mm-hmm. and puts like a splash of Sprite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's, then, like, it's like, why did you even have the Sprite? Exactly. And then like it, when he gets to the table for dinner, he's got this big glass of whiskey and he's like, I'm having a drink with my dinner. And it's such a true representation of alcoholism and and how it can wreck everything i think he ends up throwing the glass at the kid yeah he throws yeah he throws a dish or something at him yeah i mean but that one really resonated with me that uh link letters is is coming from a very honest place and even though this is terrible terrible relationship after terrible relationship it's 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 an honest depiction i think think so and the the kids too are all uh you know you can see Sort of like, I, it's weird how the, I don't know if this is typical too, but it's all, it's almost like the kids are trained to not like go one way or the other. Like don't show your fear. Don't show your, that you're scared or anything because this guy's doing some scary shit. Mm-hmm. And when he says, I'm going to have a drink with my dinner, does he have a problem with that? Uh, they're all like, no, yeah. no, no problem. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Like, because it's almost like they know if they say, no problem like yeah. that's going to be worse yeah and um and then yeah then the third guy he's like this uh he's like this war hero guy he like was uh a part of all these like tours and 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 uh and then uh he was retired and then 9-11 happens and then he's like on oh, 9 12 went back and he's like oh man this guy's a superhero and like even when there's the there's a part where uh you know the, the, you know Eric coltrane comes back and uh, he's 15 years old. It's his birthday and everything. Hey, what time is it? And he goes, it's 1215. It's your birthday today. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and so you're like, oh, she finally found the guy that's awesome. And then like, he's a drunk asshole too yeah, yeah, yeah. by the end of it. Yeah. Um, she just can't buy a break. I don't think a movie has to be saying something. Yeah. But is this movie saying anything? Is this movie suggesting, is this movie asking you to wonder what this kid's life might be like if she found a good boyfriend or no. no, I think it's just showing what the possibility of filming a project longitudinally. It's like the seven up films, right? Yeah. Seven up, fourteen up and all that this stuff. This is your typical Richard Link letter, actually. If you just take out the the fact that he is doing a an experiment essentially with this. Uh, it's dialogue driven. It's, uh, it's, uh, stuff about life. And these, these kids, I mean, they talk like kids too. They, mm-hmm. they, uh, wax philosophic about things and they they sound totally stupid, <laughs> you know, but that's the way they, that's the way it is. Yeah. Uh, some terrific moments with Ethan Hawke and, and, uh, who's their actual biological dad and, this and everything there's a scene where he's trying to talk about condoms with uh with uh, his daughter <laughs> laurel i Linkletter, who's uh richard Linkletter's daughter playing the sister in the uh but like uh he's like you know he's like i want you to want to talk about does your mom talk to me talk to you about contraception he's like oh my god dad. <laughs> he's, like, he's like yeah i mean you know, if you're gonna go out there you're gonna have condoms and he's just like oh my god come on dad um uh i think it's just it's it's your typical Linkletter movie really i mean uh just conversational and everything it's it's a, for a, for some brief moments there i'm like i don't know if i would like this kid 
Like not because I don't, it's not, not like, like, but like, I don't know if I could hang out with somebody like this mm. who's just like, you know, I'm not into a lot of this shit. I'm always like, you know, I'm just into my photography and, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, he's but he's, passive. but he's a very real person. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I, it's, I don't mean to say that I wouldn't like him as a person. It's right. just that I don't think I would hang around this guy, yeah, yeah. but that's what makes it so real to me. Mm. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, this is a really good movie. It is it really is. good. It's way better than an experimental movie should be mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. like you watch an experimental movie you 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 are watching to appreciate the experiment mm-hmm. and if a fantastic movie comes out of it you're even more impressed like i watched gus van sant's psycho i watched that purely to see what is he doing what's mm-hmm. the point here not because i thought it was going to be a great psycho movie and it's not it's not <laughs> uh, but this transcends the gimmick Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's partly because they lucked into a, a, a kid that was a pretty decent actor, mm-hmm. uh, or at least good at acting mm-hmm. like a normal kid. And then at Ethan Hawke, I just think always, always makes realism feel real. That's he's something about so Ethan Hawke. He's a good one. He's so good. He got nominated as well in this. Patri- Patricia Arquette won. Yeah. Uh, there were some interesting things in this. Like, uh, Linkletter, I think, told Patricia Arquette, please don't have any plastic surgery. Oh, because yeah. Because this is, this is not what her character would do. Yeah. Uh, an interesting thing to ask of anybody uh, uh, just for your 12-year project mm-hmm. and everything because, you know, maybe she wanted to. Maybe yeah. she, I don't know if she did or not. Well, he's doing another grand experiment, right? Like he's he's making a movie that's not going to release for 100 years or something like that. Oh, I don't know. I hadn't heard about that. I know I know that there was a movie that was made a while back that uh was it Elon Musk or somebody bought or whatever. Like there's somebody made a movie that had Christopher Walken in it and uh they the nobody will be able to watch it until the year twenty one sixty four or something like that. Hmm. Really? And it may have been one person who got to see it. Huh. And he bought he bought the rights to see it. And I think it might have been Elon Musk or somebody like that. Uh and yeah, this movie, no one will see the light of day. Nobody living today will see it. Interesting. All right. Um, Way to go, Elon. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, um, it, it, when it's, this is such a hard matchup for boyhood, though. <laughs> it is. It um, is. Uh, as good as it is, as, as, I mean, even though the movie's two hours and 45 minutes. Yeah, it's long. Um, it, and Gravity, I think, is only an hour and a half. Yeah. Is uh, it really? Yeah uh even though this it's two hours and 45 minutes it goes by pretty good mm-hmm. i think the way that he segments these things into these 14 to 15 minute bites uh really make it move along mm-hmm. like you know there's not any one section where he's stuck in this one spot for very long and everything so like as it changes you're like okay we're on to the next chapter we're on mm-hmm. to the next chapter uh but yeah it's a tough tough matchup i'm gonna be picking gravity here mm. You always look at me when you're not sure what to pick. No, I know what I'm going to pick. I'm, I pick Gravity. Me too. I, I love Gravity. I can watch Gravity 50 times and not get tired of it. I wish I could find that story I was thinking about with Richard Linklater. <laughs> <laughs> I may have to Google when I get home. Gravity. John Malkovich and Robert Rodriguez have made a movie that won't be seen for 100 years. The film, aptly titled 100 Years, is set in the present, but won't be seen until November 18th, 2115, according to io9. Malkovich was approached for an idea by liquor brand Louis Thirteenth Cognac, which is also aged 100 years. Um, oh my god, it's a fucking product placement? Maybe, I guess. <laughs> uh, I mean, who knows? A liquor brand initiated this, and they have a hundred-year brewing whatever, and this is a hundred... This is a scam, is what this is. <laughs> I'm glad I'll be dead. 
<laughs> Not me, man. I'm living until I can see this. Um, but there were several options when the project was first presented of what the future would be. Incredibly high-tech, beyond computerized version of the world, a post-Chernobyl, back to nature, semi-collapsed civilization. And then there was a retro future, which was how the future was imagined science fiction of the 1940s and 50s. In a cool twist, Louis XIII will be giving out a thousand metal tickets that will allow the receiver's descendants to see the screening of 100 years in 100 years. There you go. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. Um, on to the final matchup. And I saved this one because I think this might be the hardest one. Yep. Uh, the four seed, the cabin in the woods, and the 13 seed, eighth grade. <laughs> um, <sighs> talk about, and, and, and yeah, I watched these two back to back. Oh, wow. Um, talk about, uh, th- now, on initial sighting of this, I was like, oh, this is cabin in the woods all the way. Yep. Now I've watched both of the movies again. Mm-hmm. It's going to be tough. Yeah, it is. Eighth grade is, is spectacular. It is. And it and these movies, these small movies that you remember loving and you haven't seen in forever, mm-hmm. you're just, you, you're over time, your thoughts sort of like, I, I, well, it was good, but it's not like that good or whatever. It really is that good. It is. Um, Elsie uh, Fisher is fantastic in eighth grade. <laughs> she is you know you will almost be you could almost be tricked into believing she's an unknown mm-hmm. right but she's been acting for a long time um <clears throat> the two things i was struck with i watched this last night um the two things i was struck You've really with, been doing homework man well i was laid up with my knee for a little bit but uh, I, yeah. I actually said to my wife i'm sorry i can't watch this thing with you i've got to watch this movie or else the podcast listeners will call me a liar <laughs> uh i was struck with how how honest and open a performance that is mm-hmm. like if on the page i might not take that role as an actor because of, it, it's it's kind of thankless for a lot it's, of the it's scenes. unflattering yeah for sure that's the best way to say it yeah uh and then the other thing that struck me most is this is his first fucking movie <laughs> and it feels <laughs> like he's made 10 she's yeah. doing one of her youtube videos and she's talking about getting out there more i always love how she does the boxes getting out there more yeah. <laughs> um and then we cut to her going to this girl's birthday party. By the way, I did make a special note. I wanted to point out this girl's name is Kennedy Graves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kennedy Graves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Kennedy Graves. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, she goes to this party and like you're hearing her talk about how important it is to get out there and put yourself out there. But the music and her face as she moves through this party is telling you, oh, this was a mistake. I should not be here. <laughs> and the music was like, it's like super unsettling. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's. She's fantastic. Uh, you you get a lesser actor in that role, and it's just a it's a forgettable movie. I think. Yeah. This this is, I mean, we're commenting on a child's performance and all that stuff, but like, you can see her acne. You can see like you know an, an unflattering swimsuit, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything is on display, and you're right. That's what will strike you. She's fearless in this role. She is, and uh, you know who she's watching for makeup tips in the beginning? Who? Olivia Jade. Daughter of Lori Laughlin, who was a YouTuber oh, until right. the uh, oh, wow. until the Varsity Blues scandal, she's watching that girl in the beginning for like makeup tips and whatnot. Wow. I made I made a lot of notes. Yeah, I almost started writing since because I got confused for a while. Um, Did you like it? I loved it. I loved. It. I was expecting it to crush me more. Um, uh, which is which is not to say what, dude. That that fire pit scene. Which I can't mm-hmm. even. I can't even fucking. I, 
And it may have just been my mood. It turned out that Florida Project was the one that crushed me, and this one I, I, I really, really liked. She's been so standoffish and and uh, as and and has been a normal teenager this whole time. With a, an unsung hero of this movie is Josh Hamilton, by the way. Yes, uh, you know he's obviously a great dad, and he's also somebody who doesn't know quite what to do he knows that he doesn't want to get angry at her or like you know what's he from i actually don't know you said his name like i should know it but i didn't know that was who you're talking about but i wanted to make a note about how he's a good dad he's great he clearly cares he's trying Mm -hmm. but she's in this age where it really doesn't matter if he's a good dad or not she's not gonna let him in to her life he's relentless that scene at the mall where oh my god they look up and, uh, some old dude's been looking at it <laughs> shows him and he's totally caught he's like oh shit uh he's been in a ton of stuff he was in manchester by the sea he was also apparently in alive um oh interesting the uh the old uh cannibal movie he was the um, main it, guy in kicking and screaming oh yeah that's right if you can't beat him eat him uh yeah yeah exactly that was the original title <laughs> um but but he's he's you know he's just sort of you know, it's. I've been watching these movies lately, and I'm going to bring up some movies that have absolutely nothing to do with eighth grade, but something like Grandma's Boy, which has a uh, <laughs> which has a character in it that uh, it's got to be the one of the most thankless roles to play. And if you're you're familiar with Grandma's Boy, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah the the main developer guy, the weird nerdy. Oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah. The, and and uh, you know, to play roles like this has got to be tough for an actor because you can't do it. You're not cool. You're yeah. not a cool person at all. You're yeah. just you're doing things that are weird and awkward and everything. And and people tend to gravitate towards the cool and and you know, in Boyhood, you're gravitating gravitating towards Ethan Hawke and everybody mm-hmm. else doesn't. You know, everybody else seems weird and awkward and whatever. And you know, it's a very it's got to be the most difficult job in the world to be like this, but. I'm I immediately love this uh this character Elsie Fisher plays because of the we're introduced to her through these YouTube videos and there's none of this polished nonsense. She can every mm-hmm. um and every uh yeah and um yeah well um mm, uh you know and um you know all these things are in the in the videos. And I feel like that's her therapy these YouTube videos um that's sort of the person she wants to be absolutely in these, these youtube videos uh that's why it's so devastating that when she does hang out with the high school kids and the one dude is all like let's take our shirts off and all that and that she comes back saying i don't want to do youtube videos anymore so uh it's it's crushing the fact that that even happens to her at this early of an age mm-hmm. but the fact that she's gotten to the point that she doesn't even want to do her videos anymore that's how crushing that is um when she says she doesn't want to do them anymore because she's that's i feel like that's part of who she is and she's having to say good she feels like she's going to have to say goodbye to that because she doesn't feel like the same person well when she said she was going to stop making her youtube videos i applauded because i don't think anybody that age with that those insecurities needs to be putting themselves out i think this movie has a lot to say about social media Mm -hmm. and instagram like she's on her phone constantly right. and i don't think the movie is saying this is healthy so i even thought when she said she was going to quit it's crushing because 
she's been crushed. But I also thought this is this is a healthier choice for her mm. down the line to not be making these. Um, and and it, to a certain extent, she's not. She like you said, you should, this is who she wishes she was, mm. but she's not really being her true self in these videos because mm-hmm. she does like a makeup this is my t- makeup for when i uh, for going out night and i'm like i don't think you've ever right. gone out right, right and uh anyway yeah it was really really good uh she was the best thing about it mm-hmm. yeah um the the uh, i think you're right about the social media thing because the this whole thing about true self and everything it has a lot to say about um you know it's weird that we have these insecurities like when the pool scene mm-hmm. it's weird that we have these insecurities when you when, when we observe this pool scene and everybody is just a bunch of goofballs yeah, yeah. everybody's having all kinds of fun yeah there. there's yeah. the guy who's like he's like flipping his eyelids and you have <laughs> you know you have uh you have like people just people doing stupid dances yeah. and everything and meanwhile she is still th- thinks that she's going to be singled out out of this whole mm-hmm. group yeah everything and yeah like when she's going through all that social media stuff and like hearting everything yeah. and none of these people are really just like being themselves or they all they're all trying to like be that one voice in the million that stand out yep. somehow some way it reminds me of uh of to die for at the very end of to die for where the mm-hmm. the girl is talking about how you know uh the thing that uh the nicole kidman character suzanne something i think is her name um uh suzanne stone um they uh she's talking about how like suzanne's always talking about how like if you're not famous then you're not anybody and everything and it's like but then i was thinking if everybody was famous then how do you stand out in that group and everything and that's the way everybody is these days mm. with this who, who really actively do social media it's like syndrome <laughs> when everybody's super no one will be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it goes up against the cabin in the woods. Um, yeah. Um, this movie is always fantastic. I, I don't, I, I don't know if I've ever gotten to the point where, well, this was better this next time, or this was a little worse. It's always been the same experience for me every time. Uh, but it's, uh, man, this is such a great take on the old, uh trope of a cabin in the woods horror movie mm-hmm. um and and giving you an actual corporate uh type of reason and well it's it's more i guess it's more like a legendary monster type of reason but it's it feels like a corporate type of reason for all these horror tropes to even exist and I love the fact that there's like so many things that they it could have been. Yeah. Like they could be, it could, they put out like something that's 500 different things that they could have awakened yeah. in this movie. But, uh, Cameron Woods really takes that, you know, that, that, uh, very familiar genre and gives you a very satisfying reason for why this might be, why this certain, these certain things, these characters and the way these situations might be. Yep and uh and richard jenkins and bradley whitford are terrific oh my god oh they're so funny one of the best openings of all time I oh think. my god <sighs> i don't know what you mean right there <laughs> the uh the 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 slice of life him going to work in oh, the office, oh yeah 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 and then yeah. having that little tete-a-tete with bradley whitford and all of a sudden cabin in the woods yeah, yeah. Talking, about, <laughs> talking about like cabinets and shit <laughs> talking about like putting in cabinets in their house um but uh but yeah there's this uh, the the idea is that these ancient monsters need the blood of some very 
uh, basic prototypes from horror movies that we've all known. They need the blood of them to uh, to be sated and not to attack the world and everything. That's mm. the basic premise. But of course, we don't know that right off the bat. But um, I guess we do. Well, do we? I don't know if we do know that right well, off the bat. I think it's uh, I think it's explained in in bits and pieces as yeah, you go Yeah, we along. don't know why we're seeing Richard Jenkins and Bradley Whitford right off the bat, I right. don't think. No, but they got they have that security guard in there who's our stand-in who asks questions and they explain it to him. Mm-hmm. Um and that's how we get a lot of our exposition. Yeah. 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 But we don't know, you know, like they the, the to get this certain group, they they sort of scout and like use drugs and use all sorts of things to get these people all together and want to go out to a cabin in the woods like the characters apparently by the end of it we're we're finding out that none of these characters are actually the same kind of people that they were before all of this started yeah like chris hemsworth is apparently playing a guy who is like a smart like on scholarship guy yeah. but then he's just a dumb jock because of all the things that they've done to him in this and the same thing with his girlfriend who yeah. was a brunette and they put this blonde dye in her hair yeah. that apparently makes her act stupid <laughs> i think drew goddard has a very similar type of thing first of all he does really well with big casts mm-hmm. but i get a very similar feel from bad times at the el royale to cabin in the woods yeah and there's two very different movies yeah but these ensemble pieces where everybody has something to do and it keeps peeling off these layers of why things are happening you know you don't really get the full exposition until the sigourney weaver stuff at the end in mm-hmm. cabin in the woods uh but it, it that exposition that you were talking about never is clunky to me no it's it's always like whip smart and they're talking to each other as they would talk to each other yeah mm-hmm. uh this movie's fucking awesome now this has an all-timer I would put this in the top 10 favorite movie moments of all time for me when the the two escape kids go down. Now they're in the facility. They're in one of the cells that the goblins come out of. But it's that when they open all the cells and there's all those guys with guns and you just hear that. <laughs> and then fucking mayhem and you have to have the entire movie up till then for that to ever pay off but i wouldn't be surprised if that's where the idea sprang from is that moment all those monsters Splash coming page. out and wants to kill all the guards and then, and then another payoff with the merman yeah. Bradley Whitford. Bradley Whitford has always wanted to see a merman. He's like he had the conch in his hand. He had the conch shell in his hand, man. Um, I also love the guy at the gas station who's like their their Warner guy, and he refuses to be corporate. And he's like, the lambs are being led to the slaughter. Yeah. Bradley Whitford's like, okay, man, thanks a lot. Um, that scene, uh, the elevators and everything, was the. Now I saw this movie. I was still in working in movie theaters when this came out um that was a moment that i was i marked as i'm going to go and watch this with a crowd yeah unfortunately cabin in the woods didn't Didn't do anything didn't get a crowd so there weren't crowds (laughs) like the opening night that i want that i went in to watch this scene there was maybe 10 to 20 people in that yeah Uh, you kind of have a full house to get that good crowd reaction yeah and if that had if that movie had ever done well that would have been a moment that i think i would have been able to revisit over and over did they uh so this came out before avengers right yes Mm -hmm. so it had it come out after with hemsworth and joss whedon and all that stuff attached to it that would have been it would have been a much bigger movie don't you think it's possible i i I don't know um uh, i was thinking about this and in fact it may have only been a month that a month earlier oh really i I don't remember if it was i don't think it was too too long uh 
Cabin in the Woods was 2011. Oh, 2011. April. So it was before Thor then. It wasn't before. You're you're right. 13th of April. IMDb says 13th of April, 2012, USA okay. release. Okay, so, so yeah, it, it came out been. two weeks before the uh, Avengers <laughs> That's did. That's crazy. Jesus. Um, and I don't know if they thought that it would be better. Maybe they thought Chris Hemsworth was more of a name after Thor. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, but you're right. It might it might have done better to come out in like an October or something. And it could be where they looked at the schedule and they just said, we can't find any better place for this. So we'll just come out with it in April. I don't know. It may even had some production issues where that was pushing it back, where they pushed it back to April or whatever. Wow. Yeah. Who, who knows? I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. The uh, <laughs> that scene though, I uh, I actually uh, frame by framed it that uh, oh, yeah. that elevator scene because there's so many different creatures there that come are. out. The thing that always made me laugh the most was the big giant snake. <laughs> because the, the you know you don't see it at first you don't really see the snake at first he slithers in he's on the ground but there's all this chaos going on and then all of a sudden you just see the the big like <laughs> head of the snake come up in in that classic snake pose but i i frame by framed it and the thing that makes me laugh the most is that like it's like a witch riding lightning or something like that it's like shooting lightning and then there's like a robot with saws <laughs> <laughs> you know they had the most fun coming up with all those different creatures um yeah it, i guess if there if there was any if there was any knock against this movie it's probably the last few minutes of it i think yeah and i'm, I'm not i'm not too big on the legendary part of it i was hoping it would be more well, not to mention that she yada yadas the the whole fucking virgin thing. Yeah, I mean, we do the best we can. I mean, yeah. you can't find a virgin. Are you kidding me? But don't we? Uh, doesn't this movie end basically saying, "Yeah, they're, they're, they're the world's fucked. They're, yep. they're coming up to kill us all." Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I love that. It's got that no, big it's great. fist, right? That comes. Yeah, out of the, big giant the hand comes out. And like the the Sigourney Weaver is trying to tell uh, tell her to kill dude because if she doesn't the whole he's gonna die anyway yeah uh but it comes down to a moral choice where she decides i'm not gonna kill my friend um and so they both just kind of like just sit there and wait for the world to end and everything and uh yeah what a perfect ending <laughs> yeah, yeah it's just amazing sort of explains why there's no sequel yeah exactly <laughs> yeah um no I, I i this movie is great and that's why i'm saying this is going to be a hard choice it Kevin is in the woods versus eighth grade is one of the hardest ones that i can think of yeah eighth grade is very rewatchable surprisingly rewatchable mm-hmm. um, because every everything is like a little vignette she's got the crush on the the middle school kid is like you get blowjobs yeah yeah <laughs> who looks like male zendaya yeah, yeah. <laughs> or does. or like baby ty sheridan <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> and then you got the whole the whole high school transition this is a, a girl that's firmly in transition she's she's not a girl not yet a woman yeah yeah a little britney for you mm-hmm. uh but yeah i mean it, it, you see both sides I'm of that not a girl <laughs> <laughs> and the the one where she she hugs her dad oh, no. I, I it's i it's so annoying when people who are parents are like oh you don't understand to your parent I think that's all bullshit, but that one did hit me. I think more because because you have that, that's parent. happened before, hmm. uh, where you just like get an unexpected hug. Mm. I can't even. I can't even talk. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that scene though, like the whole under the desk scene. They, they're 
this is I've I've heard this as a thing in schools now where they're actually training for uh gunmen coming oh, yeah. in and everything. I didn't know that was like a the thing sc- until like last year, I think. The mm. school does a does an armed intruder drill and a tornado drill on the same day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're gonna like well, fuck it, we're we're gonna have drill day and we're gonna do all the drills <laughs> on one day. <laughs> I do like the the armed the guy who's coming in with the it's such gallows yeah. humor. The guy with the AK-47, it's like, let's give a hand to the drama club. Yeah. <laughs> but he's just going around going, to, dead. <laughs> dead. Dead. Uh, but she goes under that, uh, they get under the desk and she starts talking to that dude, which they have that great little soundtrack that comes along with them every time. Oh, yeah. She first sees <laughs> <it>. <laughs> uh, but uh, she she's like, um, uh, what do you think will happen? Uh, like, what do you think will uh, happen if there is a gunman at the school or whatever? And she, he goes, I hope it happens. And she goes, oh, I do too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And she, she's like, uh, it's like, but wh- why do you want it to happen? It's because I'd fuck that guy up. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, he's a, you totally you fuck totally him. You totally fuck him up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love when he does, does the do you give blowjobs. She immediately, oh, yes, I'm very good at them. Yeah. And then she goes home and Googles blowjobs and is put off on the whole idea yeah. almost yeah. instantly. Uh, and then she goes, and uh finds a banana and she's going to like practice on it or whatever and then her dad walks in <laughs> i thought you hated bananas he's like no i, I love like them now yeah. <laughs> just, gonna, just gonna eat it right now yeah <laughs> i'm like okay i hate bananas okay <laughs> he's so confused yeah. poor guy. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay let's vote you go first <laughs> oh you cocksucker yeah have you gone first once today uh you're going I think first I have. okay going first. i'll go first you're going first Cabin in the Woods. Whoa! I, I can watch that movie. That's another movie I can watch fifty times and I get mm. sick of. Uh, do you want to vote or me? You go ahead. Uh, Cabin in the Woods. Uh, if only because watching eighth grade was uncomfortable. Sure. As it's intended to be, uh, and watching Cabin in the Woods is never uncomfortable, no. and uh, it really is a tie i just had to pick one yeah. they're both excellent yeah oh, man i uh i think i was going eighth grade yeah. if um if uh if this was a tiebreaker the, there were just scenes in eighth grade that really just stood out uh to me but i mean cabin in the woods is so fun so yeah. it's it's hard to go up against it uh the scene where she is uh she has her shadow at the high school hmm. and uh and and she uh texts her and then they they have a fun they have a conversation and she says hey we're gonna hang out at the mall do you want to come and hang out and there's this she has this smile on her face that just will brighten Mm -hmm. up your day and she she forgets she like loses her headphones and everything but just sitting there she's like wants to marinate in this (laughs) happiness that she's that she's being accepted into this group and everything and and uh and then forgets it and she says, Oh, sorry, sorry, I have bad reception here, blah blah blah. Uh that's uh it's a man, that's a that's a tough one to let go this early. But yes. Cabin in the Woods is a good choice, guys. Oh, um, yeah. it will now go up against gravity. Woo! That was a crazy uh region right there. It Ooh. was. It was an extremely crazy region. Uh we have one more. It'll be the West region, another mm-hmm. first round, and Once then we'll be done with in the West, and then we'll be done with the first round uh, after that. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how these winners go up against each other in That's the second right. round after that. Anyway, what did you guys think? I know that every time we do one of these, some of your favorite movies are gone. <laughs> 
Sorry. Well, Sorry. Well, it's the way. There can only be one winner. There can be only right. one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Highlander. It's the best movie ever made. <laughs> um, but uh, what did you think about this? Go to Sincast presented by CinemaSins on Facebook. We are also on CinemaSins Twitter. Music Video Sins Twitter. We're on SoundCloud. We also have a uh discord if you want to get on discord go to our reddit page there's a link on the right side of the page or you can go to the facebook page and private message me and i'll give you a link there uh but that'll do it for this week it's chris atkins and jeremy scott and barrett share we'll see you next time thanks for listening comment on our episodes on our soundcloud page check us out on youtube twitter facebook and reddit and be sure to visit cinemasends.com I'm not a girl. I should have stayed in my car and never yelled at that bad, bad man. <laughs> Although, if you hadn't, I, I bet the guy in front of you would have gotten up. Anyway. He, would have, he would have lost his temper eventually. God, I'm such an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't an idiot. I mean, it, it was just the dramatics of the... I know. If I'd have been less mad, I could have just... And instead, I was like, I'm going to hit this as hard as I fucking can. <laughs> And then there goes my foot. Sweep the leg, Johnny. Well, you were also like, it was where the uh, the turn signal was painted on the, the pavement. Yeah. So I think that was a little extra slippery. Yeah, the paint was a little slick. <laughs> if I had it to do over, I'd do about three things different. I like that place. The only time I went to that place was during Wizard World, and I was drunk. <laughs> and I well, told Dicer I wasn't a Christian anymore. You weren't You weren't drunk before we got there. You were. You got drunk there, right? I was, yes, but I was drunk pretty much all day because I had wine at the, I discovered they were selling alcohol on the main expo oh, floor. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I yelled at Cato Kalin that OJ did it. <laughs> and then we went for a burger and I got more wine. And I said, I don't believe in God anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what a sequence of events. <laughs> I mean, Dicer handled it like a pro. <laughs> so yesterday I go to the, uh, Get an ultrasound on my oh, kidneys. Oh, yeah, your kidney. To see if that's causing the high blood blood pressure and everything. And so I go to the, it's just like a specialized place where they, all they do is like vascular stuff. It's this nice young woman takes me back into the thing. I'm the only person there. And, you know, they turn the, the lights out and all that stuff. It's cold as hell. Lay on my back. She does the goo and stuff. I've never gotten an ultrasound before. Uh, I saw I my wife did. Uh, and they put the goo on you and all that stuff. And, pokes different areas and all that stuff, gets at the kidney and all that. And uh, and the last thing was she was like, okay, now I have to do your bladder. And I was like, all right, I don't, I don't know where the bladder is on the body. And so she's like, unbutton your pants. So I was like, okay. Oh, so unbutton yeah. the pants. And the bladder is like, you know, a, a couple of inches above your business. Okay. So she jams the thing in there. Like, not painful, but she jams the thing in there with the goo and all that stuff. And she goes around. She's like, do you have to pee? And I was like, no, I don't have to pee. She's like, okay, cool. We can do this. And so she's wrestling around in there for a while. And then afterwards, she's like, okay, I'm done. You can use this towel to wipe wipe yourself off. And, like, there was this weird mental juxtaposition of, like, I'm in a dark room with stuff all over my, oh, nice. my crotch. Gooey, clear. <laughs> in the Liquid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, what just happened here? Because <laughs> <laughs> like, as I'm cleaning myself up, I'm like, what the fuck is this, man? I had an ultrasound on my leg, 
Um, and it was this, I mean, that's that goo is not easy to clean off. No, and it was fucking everywhere. I thought your story was going to be they didn't give me enough towel because that's how I felt. No, I didn't. No, they didn't have enough towel. It was yeah. like a dish rag. Yeah, <laughs> it's not enough to clean that shit up. You're exactly like Kevin Smith and his wife. Yeah. She doesn't, she doesn't watch his movies or yeah she he's he, he's that's the thing that he's said in his uh like i don't know if you want to call it stand-up or whatever but uh is, is, he's always like don't get me wrong you know my, my wife loves me and everything but she isn't exactly a kevin smith thing <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how many iterations of degrassi it's just two i don't know there was I one when i it. was there's one that i think lines up with my generation the drake one I guess, but it was like, I think I was in high school or college when it was on. Well, then maybe there was another one then, because the Drake one would have been maybe seven, eight years after that. Maybe it never stopped. Maybe it's mm. Doctor Who. No idea. <laughs> I, I There was a period of time back in like 2002 that I saw Degrassi show up on like Nickelodeon or yeah, something. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, and I watched several episodes of it. It was just one of those oddly watchable shows. You know, not great, but just watchable. Yeah, soap high school soap opera. Yeah, it was the Saved by the Bell of dramedies. Right? Yeah, whereas Saved by the Bell was full on stupid comedy. Degrassi was well, it was trying to be more like my so called life. Yeah, it was Canadian yeah. Saved by the Bell. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> everything's more serious in Canada. Yeah. By the way, I was listening to Fresh Air, and uh, there was this wonderfully engaging uh, guest on there, and you could tell it was an actress. And she was just lovely. She was talking about growing up in New York and all this stuff and starting young. And she didn't say her name the entire time until finally like, I looked it up and it was Claire Danes. Oh, nice. Because it was uh, time for the Homeland thing. I keep mm. seeing uh, headlines that say, Homeland, the show that got brilliant after you stopped watching. Did you stop watching? I stopped watching after like season three or four. I made yeah, it to two. I watched up to five, I think, maybe. And so then, apparently it's badass now. But like, <laughs> and, but the fourth and fifth seasons i think were not very good mm -mm. and and they killed off some characters that i liked mm -hmm. and uh and then i i i thought it was done because i kept hearing that this was like maybe this was the final season but i think they've had like three or four seasons since i stopped yeah watching. yeah yeah i don't um, get it i guess i might need to check it out more i guess it's your girl but she's apparently this season this upcoming season apparently puts her basically in the same situation that damian lewis was in, in the first one really yeah like mm. people think that she's a terrorist that first season was some of the best television i think i've ever seen it was yeah. great yeah it was that, great that whole bunker scene was as tense as anything i've ever seen mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. perfect de depiction of uh bipolar disorder too mm -hmm. yeah and uh wow, the way she realizes right before the shock therapy like she realizes oh god it's him and then the yeah, they yeah, start the yeah, treatment. Yeah, yeah, she yeah, can't. Yeah, she can't do anything. Oh man, is she forty? Yeah, nineteen seventy nine. That was oh, a good same year. Age as me. And a good Smashing Pumpkins song. Mm -hmm. yeah. That is a great Smashing mm -hmm. Pumpkins song. I was at the store yesterday, and my total was nineteen sixty two. And I said that was a good year. And you should have seen the look this woman gave me. Like, I just told the worst dad joke <laughs> ever, and I did. <laughs> but usually, I'm charming enough when I say it that I get a smile. But this was like she had had enough today. <laughs> She was done with joking customers. I think it, the the most important part was the cadence, and I think you know I've I've got a, a feel of like reading. Yeah, yeah, you sound done. like that. But. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the word. Reading. Um, that new uh, Pearl Jam song is driving me crazy. I haven't heard it. It's not good. Dance of the Clairvoyance. 
It doesn't sound like, first of all, it doesn't sound anything like Pearl Jam. Oh, yeah? And it sounds like he's singing in back mask speak. <laughs> now, I know Eddie Vedder is never, <laughs> yeah. never really understandable anyway, oh, but it sounds like he's, <laughs> but it's also stylistically, it's nothing like I've ever heard. From. I don't, I don't like it. Yeah, it sounds like if Pearl Jam was like a new band and they were trying to figure out what sells in 2020. Exactly. Oh, really? Exactly. <laughs> You guys liked the Americana Mama. What what was the uh, Taylor Swift thing? Miss Americana. Miss Americana. You like that? I'm going to talk about it Friday when we talk Netflix originals. Oh, okay. I liked it, but it's not great. Do you do you hated it? Yeah. Do <laughs> you didn't even like the songwriting parts? I got this weird thing about this. You think that she faked it? I think she faked it. I think it, I think she may have done that like a month before. Uh, the documentary aired, and she's like recreating her process of coming up with me. You fucking cynic! I know, I know, I know, I know. My it God, just, it it just like rang so false to me. I, I don't know what it was. Did not have an opinion of it. I I turned it on one day as background as I was doing other things because I don't really need to see the full <laughs> documentary. Uh, I just wanted to have some sort of like music uh -huh. and whatever. And if something interesting came up, I would watch she it. She gets naked. Yeah, she gets naked. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, don't know whether I liked it or not. I know that the, 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 uh, the there were some things like that, that brought that, came up into my head just tickled my spidey sense <laughs> yeah and uh and then and then like i was talking about this uh, uh i think friday uh with uh, jeremy was just the the um there's so many parts where they're like here's some road signs like see she's driving around around uh this part of nashville and everything and then it would cut to her in the back seat of the car and you could see the the images in the back and like through her window and you're like yeah they're not where that they're not on the interstate <laughs> you know stuff like that they're not where they say they are oh you cynic i know i don't i don't like it but just, she's like and i promise that you never find another like me <laughs> you think they keep that under wraps yeah I, hope you, we, I mean it's not like state secrets or anything like that it's Taylor Swift. I don't know. Everybody's trying to end people these days. Somebody on the crew would be like, she faked it. <laughs> it would be on TMZ. Mm -hmm. Right? I don't think it would be that big of a deal. If she faked uh, songwriting footage? Yeah, like the process. She I obviously think... wrote the song, so it doesn't really matter if it's real or fake. But I think it's just a little bit fake. <sighs> we have to hash this out later. 